Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 302. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Connor, unfortunately, couldn't make it this week. He's gone missing. Last seen at an ice hockey game. <laughs> Break out the violins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sad music. Uh, but we're here to talk about DC Comics and the comics came out this week that we read, which this week includes Nightwing, issue 91, The Flash, 781, Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 2, Batman the Night, issue 4, Catwoman Lonely City, issue 3, The Nice House in the Lake, issue 8, and Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue 6. So, uh, nice kind of middle amount of, of books this week. Uh, it's probably going to be a slightly breezier show, though, because there's not really any or much news to talk about. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I think after the last couple of weeks, it's nice to have a a, a breezier show. So, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll dive into it and we'll we'll get into things and um, no doubt about a bit of shenanigans before we actually get to the books as per always. But mm-hmm. there's always time for a top ten. It's always time for the comic solids of top ten. <laughs> At the time of recording. So, Matt. You're not going to guess what number one is. <laughs> I'm not. So, it, it oh, man. You're, you're never going to guess what number one is. I, arguably, it shouldn't even really be here, but I see why it technically counts as far as Amazon's like charts are concerned. So, I'm guessing it's a manga of some kind. That I've no, because no, I exclude the publishers that do the mangas. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you know, I just you know, I include DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, Boom, Dynamite. Uh, they got thrown Valiant and Archie, right? All the like, so you know, right. the big names. Anything that would actually be in the top ten should be there. Uh, but it is a Marvel book technically, but it's actually a Marvel role playing game guide. So you you were never going to get that. You were never going to. Cool. Gonna... I mean, like, <laughs> Amazon, get your stuff together, please. <laughs> I... I guess technically because it's comics related, they're counting it in the comics charts. So mm. I, yeah, it's a bit of a technicality there, um, which is a shame because if you didn't count that, then DC would be number one. But uh, yeah, we'll... so I'm I'm gonna guess then that it, it's Nightwing. It's actually not. What? No. Yeah. No. Nice house. What can I say? Uh, no, it's not my nice house. It's uh, Mark Wade. Mark Wade's a, a draw brother. Hey. Yeah. There we go. World's finest. Uh, Drop a rocket. Him and uh, him and Mora, tag team of the year. Yeah, that's number two, and then number three is Nightwing. So Nightwing, you know, not far behind. And uh, number four is Avengers issue fifty-five. And that's then, still Aaron. Yeah, still Aaron. Yeah. Shit, I gotta get caught up. Last thing I remember was Conshu and Moon Knight wrecking havoc, and that might have been over a year ago at this point. I mean, I've not read since, like, issue 18 or something like that, yeah. so you're way, <laughs> you're way yeah. ahead of me. <laughs> uh, and then number five is Hulk, issue six. So you got some more... There's a lot of Marvel here in the middle of this top ten. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cates, that makes sense. Then you got Wolverine, issue 20, uh, or, or Boy Percy. Yeah. Uh, still doing Wolverine. And then number seven is Captain America, issue zero. I guess they're relaunching Captain America. Yeah. And it's uh, Kelly and Lansing, and I might... St- pick that up um just to see what that's like mm-hmm. i did not realize this came out this week because i'm so out on marvel uh you know yeah you know. It's, it's it's got an interesting cover i'll look at that at the very yeah, least yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, i just remember one of them talking it up going to disneyland and going to meet the walk around cap character 
uh, and telling them that he's writing stories about him. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, hmm. yeah. uh, then we're back to some DC books for the rest of the top 10. So number seven is Batman the Night, issue four. Number nine is The Flash, issue 781. And number 10 is Catwoman Lonely City, issue three. Uh, so that's five out of the, the 10 is DC. Mm-hmm. It'd actually be six. So if you take out that role-playing game guide, if you want yep. to like, exclude that and bump everything up a slot, then the number 10 would then be Wonder Girl's uh, Oof. issue that came out this week, the uh, yeah. Trial of the Amazons book. So DC would have six out of 10 in that case. Uh, and then after that is Robins, and then Nice House, and then Earth Prime. So basically what I'm saying this here is that Marvel got three books in the top, sorry, four books in the top 10, and then fell off a cliff because it's just yeah. DC and even booms and like the Power Rangers issues like there before any more Marvel stuff. So uh, yeah, I was seeing something on Twitter that I forget who it was. It's someone that runs a comic shop talking about that there was a final order cut off for Marvel, but it was only for five books, and they were wondering if like the paper shortage had something to do with that. Hmm. It just seems like somehow Marvel seems to be doing less books and like i know my shop still gets them from the old distributor and there's been a couple times where marvel books haven't been in there on wednesday right so because now he gets dc books on monday he doesn't put them out on wednesday but uh because you know dc's publishing date is now on tuesdays uh so, and, but he, he holds them till wednesday though yeah because that's when most people know to come in still um, I'm sure if I wanted to go in and grab my books, I'm sure they would be there for me. But it's just I mean, so legally, he's allowed to sell them. I mean, it's, yeah, you know. he does. He just most people don't come until Wednesdays because it's just you know you know how us comic people don't like change. <laughs> um, but yeah, he usually just holds them till Wednesday. Um, I'm sure if I'm sure if you, if I needed them on Tuesday for any reason, I could go in there and he'd have them ready to go. Um, but I, I haven't seen Marvel books in quite a while. I am picking up the Captain Carter book just because I, I love that character so much. But, you know, going and checking the wall just in case, you know, I want to grab something different. Not a lot of Marvel. It's very weird compared to other times where, like, a bunch of other characters had, like, miniseries. Like, there's that Kang one going on for a minute. You have the Trial of Magneto. Mm. Um, and it just seems like it's kind of serious, which... I remember DC went through one of those kind of phases too, where it was just, you know, the same books, constant, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just could be like an off week where they're just not publishing yeah. that much, and that's just, yeah. you know, that happens. I mean, DC could tends be. to be a week five, but, you know, it mm-hmm. happens from time to time and other, yeah. you know, reasons. Uh, yeah, so, you know, DC did all right in the top ten this week. Hmm. Uh, certainly not too shabby. Nice to see the uh, world's finest book doing well. That, that is. So, that was cool. It's cool. Hey, Matt, do you know what's funny? What's funny? You're a Harry Potter fan, right? You like Harry Potter. Yeah, I don't want to hear about Secrets of Dumbledore underperforming. <laughs> well, tough, because I'm going to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I saw, I saw you doing a, 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 a victory lap uh, about Sonic. Uh, so uh, it, was just, it was just funny to me that Sonic 2, which is like two weeks yeah. old, uh, beat it on Monday. And maybe even days after, I don't know. I haven't checked. I'm going to go to the box office module right now and find out. (laughs) As someone that has seen Secrets of Dumbledore and wasn't that excited, you know, um, it's pretty good. It's a lot better than the the previous one. But that franchise is not doing so well, uh, just as a whole, uh, without getting into specifics. Uh, Just, 
meta-wise, you know, I understand why it, why it's down. And Sonic's a juggernaut, man. I've talked to more people that have seen Sonic than I did, or Sonic 2, than I did that even new Sonic 1 came out. Yeah, I haven't so... seen Sonic. Oh, it was only a week old. Sonic 2 was only a week old. But still, I mean, the fact that yeah. the new Harry Potter franchise movie came out yeah. and then Which, started that... losing days. Because Sonic 2 yeah. beat it on Wednesday as well. So they've been swapped, yeah. they swapped victories throughout the week. Uh, Friday uh, had new releases, obviously, so they yeah. neither won one. But... Um, like, yeah, um, again, wasn't a fan of that second one. That second one left a real bad taste in my mouth. We didn't even get tickets to see this one until the day of, which is very rare anymore. Because uh, I like to plan out what I'm doing for the weekend. And um, theater was kind of sparse. Um, you know, not not empty, but definitely not at the levels when we've been to other Potter movies. So um, I know we also went on a Saturday afternoon. Maybe that's not prime Potter. But like, yeah, even I wasn't that jazzed for it. Um, uh, but it surprised me. Maybe going in with low expectations does that. Um, and I've yet to see an either Sonic movie, I th- so I'm going to count that as a win for me. Honestly, it was shocking to me as well, because uh, the big new release this weekend, that one Friday, was The Bad Guys, but number two is The Northman, which mm-hmm. made five million, and I'm like, obviously I care more about The Northman than anything else yeah. on this list, but I feel like even, uh, on its second weekend, the Harry Potter movie should be yeah. beating The Northman from a financial perspective. I-, I will tell you that I went and saw The Northman last night at like a seven o'clock showing, and there was way more people for the Northmen than there was for Harry Potter. It was surreal. Um, so, uh, I mean, at, which is cool because I feel like it's not, not that I've seen the lighthouse. Right. But Eggers is a director that I feel more people should be aware of um, just based off of the witch and the Northmen. So it's, it's pretty cool that the marketing, because when I went and saw the witch, I was the only person in the theater, which mm. made for a creepy watch. Um, but yeah, so the marketing for the Northman must have been really well because, you know, not that it's a small movie because it's definitely not small, but for an independent, you know, I mean, it is small compared to your yeah. studio movies. Um, like, so, and I, I will say this, Pete. Um, if you had to guess how I felt about it, knowing about me, um, well, I'm conflicted because well, on the one hand, the subject matter is way up your street, but on the other hand, yeah. it's the director of the Lighthouse, so. It's <laughs> yeah, but who's also directed The Witch, which I liked, right? Um, yeah, but it's like how it. how art house is it? Is art house enough to upset Matt? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so my wife didn't go with me. Me and my brother went, and I left there. I, I, I left the movie theater listening to some Amon Amarth, which is Viking death metal. Uh, and uh, had I kicked in the door to come home, I would have been in trouble. So I didn't. But I was amped up enough after the Northmen. <laughs> that it was a possibility of course she didn't go she didn't want to feel like the other women sitting next to you while your wife the vikings are on screen <laughs> right oh my god how is Skarsgård? so i thought Skarsgård was closer you know to to your age or my age this dude's 45 and looks has never been more jacked oh geez like mm. yeah like i know i know peds exist in acting but like whatever he's on man and it might just be good genetics, too. I mean, that makes sense, because I'm thinking about it, because his first big thing was probably True Blood, and I was only, like, yeah. you know, 18, 19, I think, when that started. Right, but I, but I thought, like, maybe he was just playing, like, he's a vampire, right? He's supposed to look younger, maybe mm. playing older, right? But, um, yeah, now, Dude's 45 is jacked to the gills, and I just, watching him do these berserker scenes that you see in the trailer, you're just like, 
there's not a stand-in. That's all him. Like, he's just, he's jacked. He looks like The Rock, but not as, you know, not as big. But, like, his muscles had muscles. Um, but, yeah, no. I definitely, uh, I told Connor he should see it on a, the biggest screen he can. I know he's been a little bit wary to go back mm. to the theater. Um, but you'll definitely enjoy it, I think. Um, it actually came enough. out here a week earlier. I'm a little worried oh. that because I didn't notice it came out that I might not have a chance now because it doesn't seem like the sort of movie that will have a lot of shows <laughs> for, for a long time. Well, yeah, if um, I, I'm checking now. Apparently, it's down to yeah. like two shows a day and they're both like quite late now. Damn, that, that's a shame because this is this is something you should see on a big screen. Oh, on, let, me, let me check uh, during is, the week. Let's see. Yeah, brutal, visceral, uh, but not in a way that makes you want to look away. It's just there's some there's some elements to it that, you know, as someone that loves the whole Viking culture, it definitely gets onto some of the darker aspects there, not just the violence, but inside the culture uh, that that's tough to watch. So, uh, and and Agers does not shy away from it at all. Um, in fact, it did well, after I would expect this, him to. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Under your lobster, I, I might have to watch Lighthouse now. So, uh, well, which, I'm not, I'm not... actually, on the subject of you watching our house stuff, you have been falling in love with Twin Peaks. So, yes, I have. so you know, anything's possible. I wouldn't say in love. I would say that I, I am infatuated with it. It's love. Like, you just don't know it yet, but it's love. I was, yeah. So I was telling the, the guy, uh, my, my comic shop owners, we talked TV a lot. I told him I started watching. And like you, he'd been recommending me to watch, knowing my taste. Um. So I told him I finally started and I go, it's, I'm enjoying what I'm watching, right? But it's, there's a compulsion to it. And I said, it's not like a car crash where you can't look away because it's not that at all. But it's almost like just that, like, let's say a homeless person with a hula hoop. And you're just like, where do you get that hula hoop? Why is he so good at hula hooping? And there's, I have all these questions and the show has me come back. I watched an episode this morning. Uh, before we recorded. Uh, yeah, so, how, how far are you in, though? How many episodes do you have? I am only on episode... I just finished episode four, which is All listed right. as episode three, because the pilot really doesn't count in the episode order. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of counts yeah. as a TV movie, and then yeah. afterwards, um, yeah. 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 Well, see, it's the end of episode three that's kind of where it... Yeah. You know, it properly starts to really yeah. become Twin Peaks in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, so watching it, so I'd always, so fun fact about my dad, I get a lot of my taste from my dad when it comes to movies. Like, you know, he took me to see Last Crusade when I was like four. So that's one of the first movie going experiences I can remember. Um, he hated Twin Peaks. I probably just, it wasn't for him. It wasn't his taste. I remember him winning a tank top from Blockbuster when Firewalk With Me came out uh, because <laughs> we would rent movies so much. And I remember him telling the person at the counter, well, good, I have something to use as a rag. Because that's how much he did not like Twin Peaks. So I had a lot of negativity going into it. And I'd seen like a lot of the pop culture-y takes. Like the Simpsons parody on it. Where it's just kind of weird for weird sake. And watching the first, like the pilot, the TV movie, whatever we're calling it. I was like, when is this supposed to get weird? Like this is ethereal. And it's kind of David Lynchian. But not like that. And then episode three hits. The, at least the last eight minutes. And I'm just like, what? is this and why can i not look away um i've been thinking of that little person <laughs> <laughs> why he was talking like that looking up how they filmed that 
Oh yeah, those like back. He had to learn his lines backwards or some. Learn his line backwards, stuff, which yeah. then they played it forward because I was like, why can't I understand like every other sentence, but not certain parts of the sentence? What? And then ugh, Laura Palmer, like, and then twenty five years, and then I know there's twenty five years between this and the new show. Oh, uh, that was three. that was like main. But see, because see, when me and Connor watched the original series. Yeah. We started watching in January 2017 because we knew the new the yep. new season was coming in like May, so it was all timed so that we would yep. finish the show, watch the movie, uh, just in time for the new show. And when she said, "I'll see," like the, the, I don't want to get too spoilery for people yeah. not seen it, but there's a kind of an ominous line about "I'll see you in 25 years," and there's just and watching it in 2017 when the, it's about to come back, yep. give or take that amount of time later, it's like, wait a minute, that madman <laughs> somehow <Yeah>. knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because it's a line that he says in the next episode of her breakfast, uh, Cooper, is he's like, I had a dream, but I was 25 years older. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's that's the same distance in between. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but no, Cooper, definitely. Um, he's an odd cat. I I wasn't even sure he was an actual FBI agent until Miguel Ferrer showed up. Because mm. um, I was like, maybe he's just an odd dude that talks into a, you know, <laughs> Talks into his, his recorder. Do, do you so. know who he's talking to in the tape recorder? Do you know that? No. So I haven't either figured that Diane is who he's sending the the tapes to and at sure. the bureau. Or it's what he calls the tape recorder. It's his friend. It's, he's <laughs> he's a weird dude. No, no. no it's judging. not what he calls the tape recorder. Uh, gotcha. What I really meant was, do you know who's ultimately going to play Diane? No, not a clue. Yeah, because because you see her in the new season and the uh, gotcha. the return. That's, well, that's cool. Yeah, I know. Um, you like the actor? Okay, okay. Wait, you would have told me if Chastain was on here. No, not Chastain. It's, it's not, not Chastain. Yeah, it's, not, not it's, not, it's not. It's not a redhead. It's not a redhead. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'll get there. I I even told my wife because I tried to get her to watch it. Cause she likes murder mystery type things, and she she's like, "No, watch it. You're off this week. Like, start it." Yet, as I've been watching it with her around, she's been pulled in by who killed Laura Palmer in a very, you know, watching Dateline uh, type way. Yeah. So She's probably going to be repelled at a certain point, though, when it gets proper weird. But yeah. uh, the only thing I will warn you is that season two, uh, I, I, after nine episodes, Lynch leaves, yeah. and it gets pretty bad for about ten episodes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I listened to the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and they talk a lot about how David Lynch was inspired by John Keel. And there's a lot of this ultra terrestrial kind of events that happen that, you know, as I can already tell through the dream dream sequence and um, Cooper being obsessed with dreams. Like there's a lot of stuff in there that they talk about on the big collectors club. That's not twin peaks related. It's just, you, you could tell that Lynch has this, you know, mm. way about him. Um, and so they, they did a, an episode about the first episode. Uh, so I listened to that and they kind of go over what had happened and how ABC wanted it to be more of a, what was on TV at the time, right? Like, oh, we're going to wrap up this murder. Then you'll do a new murder. And it was just like, no, this is going <laughs> to be like a real life murder that we don't know who did it until years down the line. Maybe we'll never find out. And ABC said, you know, became that Jason Bateman meme, mm. you know, like F-U-R. Uh, and so he left. And I and I do know the other guy that took it over was a writer for X Files or something along the lines. He did something else along those lines. Yeah. Um, well, what's so, interesting though is that Lynch does come back for the last episode of season two, mm -hmm. 
and there is still some stuff set up towards the end of it that is still very important to the mythology yeah. that was clearly meant to be in there. Gotcha. And then Fire Walk With Me is this weird, like, prequel movie, but it's it's actually super important. It's actually, it became way more relevant once the new season came out, and so much okay. of it became, like, a big big part of it, but... Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I will get there. I was telling my wife, though, I go, you know, if I do end up liking this, we're going to have to get Showtime, because it's the only place that the new season is airing. Mm. So, uh, just just as long as I can watch. And how many episodes is the new one? Uh, the new one's 18 episodes. Okay. I, I could gank through that in a month. Easy. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. there um, there's, there's milestones. Episode 3 is the first time it gets proper weird, but yeah. there's milestones in my head that I cannot wait to get your reaction to <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Be, being that this is a 30-year-old show at this point, I'm going to try to, you know, because I've been unspoiled. Like, I yes. really don't know who killed Laura Palmer. I have suspicions. Mm-hmm. Just based off of, you know, TV watching literacy has gotten a lot better. And from watching stuff like Lost and Breaking Bad, you can kind of see DNA as it starts to, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Lost uh, is directly inst- like Lost's method of like the way it built mysteries was inspired entirely. It wouldn't exist without Twin Peaks. Like, Yeah. Well, what I mean is just the way that we become smarter as television watchers oh, just sure. because stuff is constantly one upping, like, you know. Uh, like Breaking Bad has nothing in common with Twin Peaks except for story structure in that there is not even a central mystery. There's a central thread. And that if you're paying attention, it, it's not going to be a surprise. So I'm starting to see things. However, now that I do mention this, I can see how much of Twin Peaks DNA is in that first season of Riverdale. Down, oh, yeah. Down to the diner, the biker, bad guy, you know, kind of not bad guy, but um, shadowy figure in town to the way that Jason's body was found is very similar to Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they even have Shelly in it. <laughs> yeah. And she, and I, I still can't get over that's Betty's mom because like you, she's aged into a different look. I don't know if it's her hair or what, like I can kind of tell that's her like from 30 years ago, but yeah, she almost looks like a different actress, like in a good way. Um, so um, but yeah, there's, there's so much of it in there that now I look back at Riverdale and go, Oh, when you said it was like Twin Peaks, you weren't kidding that they were just ripping off Twin Peaks, uh, in a teen pulp style though, instead of a soap opera. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously the, the, yeah. the deft direction and stuff is, is yeah. missing completely because it's not Lynch, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, oh God, episode eight of the return. I cannot wait. I cannot yeah. wait until Believe you, me, you to... guys will. And this is what I was getting with spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything overtly but you will know when i hit those milestones like when i saw the red room i had to tweet <laughs> what is this uh, i can't uh, wait till bob <laughs> yeah which i've already i already so i'm familiar with bob as the who he really is like to david lynch and how that came apart and how david lynch just kind of makes things up as he goes um and i thought that was pretty hilarious um why that character even exists um, but yeah, Dale Cooper talking over breakfast about his dream about how Bob had to cut off his arm so he could he wouldn't kill anymore. And he's just just nonchalant. Like he's, this is a fact. You I'm know? pretty sure we're talking about a different Bob. Oh, are we? Because that 
I don't so think I, just... he, I don't think in that context of what you're that conversation okay. you're talking about. I don't think he's talking about the Bob I'm thinking of. Okay. And people okay. who have seen all of Twin Peaks know like they thought of the exact okay. Bob I'm thinking of. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm just going off of the Bob that they talked about um in the you know, he was crouched, he was he worked on the crew and he was crouched by a bed setting something up. Mm. And David Lynch had this vision of what he wanted in the show. So then they made that guy be this Bob character. Um, so I just assumed it was Bob. Maybe it is the same, but it's been a while now. It's been, it's been a few yeah. years since I watched this. So yeah. I, but I don't remember him being talked about as early as the, yeah, the pilot. He, he was talking part. about, uh, Dale Cooper was talking about in the dream, there was two guys and one of them doesn't have an arm and his name is Bob and he had to cut off his arm. And, and Sheriff Truman is just sitting there listening like, who am I working with? It's just like someone recounting their dreams. You're okay, just like, I don't okay. know why you're telling me this. So, okay. Uh, but that, that one's just that, fresh because I just watched that this morning. Yeah, that may be oh. a seed for Bob. Yeah. <laughs> but this. Yeah. <laughs> also, my wife has not enjoyed me after I take a drink of coffee. Letting her know it's a damn fine cup of coffee. <laughs> she's, she's very over that, which uh, I'll, I'll put them over here and it's not an ad or whatever, but Rootless Coffee has a has a coffee that is called damn fine cup of coffee inspired by twin peaks um hey and, and there's a lot of actors to show up as well by the way uh, yeah. that you'll recognize uh season two's got billy zane um wow you got heather graham popping up uh Ooh. yeah there's a whole whole who's who of people well they're already um i didn't realize what's her name uh laura flynn boyle was in this um as as laura's friend and there's another actor and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that I didn't realize is part of Twin Peaks. So, yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's, that's always the best part of going back and watching older TV shows and seeing some of these actors that became like much bigger names mm. later in these smaller roles. So which is that's pretty cool. Now it's going to drive me nuts who it is, but uh, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh but yeah, oh, David Duchovny shows. There's a bunch of, yeah, tons of actors. Ooh. And Miguel Ferrer, of course, as well. From Robocop. Right, which, which I know him and, nah. you know, from, from different things. Yeah. Which, that man, I didn't realize he died back in 2017 at he the died, age 61. Yeah, he died, like, it was before the show aired. Like, you know, because yeah. he he's in the new season. Okay. But then he he passed away before. Yeah, he, early he had on. cancer. Yeah. Um, but I just, in my head, he's always old. He has an Arn Anderson face mm. where he was just born at 35. Um, but when you do the math, this is 30 years ago. So if he was 61 then, so he would have been 66 now. He was about my age and he looks way older. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So seeing him pop up there also makes it feel very 90s because he was in a ton of 90s stuff. Um, oh, is the actor that was from Stargate SG-1. Plays the colonel. He always plays the military dude. Um, he's oh, Bobby's dad. Uh, Don Davis, yeah. 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 He, so. He's someone who died but between the old show and the new season. Because yeah. uh, uh, there was a few people who died from the show like mm -hmm. around the time that that was there. Because uh, yeah. you won't see him until the movie, but Harry Dean Stanton is, is in it. Uh, and he's in the new season as well. And he's, he's like 90. He's literally 90 yeah. years old. And then he, you know, he yeah. passed away like not too um, long afterwards. Yeah, another one that just reminded me, he, 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 I don't know all their names yet, but he runs the garage. He's uh, James's uncle, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's um, the villain in Under Siege 2. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. People Under the Stairs. Everett he McGill. Was the villain in that. Yeah. yeah. So, 
a lot of a lot of who's that type actors. Like I've seen them in something else, and then when you pull them up, you're like, oh yeah. So, but yeah. Also, the act, the actress that plays the cousin, that that is the same actress, right? Oh yeah, that's uh, Cheryl okay. Lee. Yeah. That's... Okay. I was like, wow, they did a very good job at at fighting someone that looks just like her. Yeah. Um, well, you'll notice as you watch Twin Peaks, the idea of a doppelganger is kind of a theme. I've already noticed that in the in the first in the in the pilot movie, it's all about double lives. Yeah, and two comes up. It's like a Harvey Dent scripted movie. The idea of two <laughs> showing up it happens so much um, that I even I was able to pick up on all that. But yeah, uh, and then that episode also starts with uh, Palmer's dad watching a soap opera <laughs> where the same actress plays sisters named Jed, Jaden Emerald, which I thought was hilarious um because they were all the almost the same exact shots from twin peaks which really leans into that soap opera oh yeah i mean hell, even the name twin peak <laughs> like it's <Yeah>. actually <laughs> yeah two of some um and i also might have looked where they where they filmed this um so i think i'm ever in that neck of the woods so somewhere yeah. in the uh north uh west yeah. i assume so, not not exactly where they say they are which is you know up closer ah to did, I mean, the to eastern to Washington, but yeah, it, it's up up outside of Seattle somewhere uh, in a timber, uh, little timber town, so which is pretty cool. But yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it's very good through four episodes right now, um, and I do and I do want to watch more, and I get frustrated when I can't because I have other things going on, you know. So, like yesterday, I planned fully to come home, but then I had to go meet my brother to see The Northman, so I was like, oh, I'm not gonna have time to watch an episode and get ready and then meet him at the movie theater. So, Oh, so many yeah. good things lie ahead. Yeah. And everyone, if you, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you will definitely be on this journey with me. Um, <laughs> oh, so many good things lie ahead. Uh, so, uh, let's talk about comics then, shall Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you clicked on the timestamp to skip all the Twin Peaks talk, then uh, welcome to the comics portion of the show. Yeah. So, Nightwing, issue 91, Tom Taylor writing, uh, Geraldo Borges on the art. Uh, here we have, <laughs> I'm knocking things down. Yeah. Here we have a uh, continuation. Uh, KG Beast, of course, was the cliffhanger last time. Wally and Dick, you know, deal with this. I mean, Wally especially is the one who kind of swoops in and uh, deals with it very quickly. Um, but, you know, it's, it's heartwarming again, you know, Wally talking about how you tried to kill my friend, the idea that everyone else was even more pissed about this than than the Nightwing himself we, is, kind of thing. We are so. Wally. <laughs> we are Wally. <laughs> Which I thought. Uh, real quick, Borges did the last issue, right? Yes. Okay. Because the art felt a little bit different. Maybe it's the, the inks on that first page are extra heavy, but it felt like a different than the last issue. But it, maybe it's just the inks and the colors, maybe composition. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely very, very heavy on the flash suit. There's a lot of yeah. lot of inks on that first page. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of fun stuff here with them, like taking KGB's phone and getting it to Oracle and <laughs> doing all that stuff. I I do really appreciate this. You know, it's, we do not like the storyline of Dick being shot mm-hmm. because it led to Rick Grayson and all of it was very shit. Mm-hmm. But this issue does a really good job of making it feel like it's an important part of his past. You know, something as simple as, as Oracle asking Dick if he's okay, uh, which is a really nice nice beat. Uh, but, yeah, so so they're looking into stuff, and it ends up being this this mythical 
assassin squad you know or, or this like person it's, who who can give an order one, out to any assassin in the world yeah they compare her to a sommelier of assassins that like they're good at selecting the right one and if it's if it's big enough they'll take it on themselves which i like that's a bit of mythology yeah uh, and obviously targeted dick grayson because mm-hmm. blockbusters has made this call uh, so Dick and Wally go go swishing out. Although I do love the build up to this again, we get a call back to the you know carrier piggyback mm-hmm. uh, joke, which comes right after the the kids want a dog because they're playing yep. with Bitewing, and Wally's like, "If I get talked into even a goldfish, this is yep. on you." <laughs> it and it feels very like this is what Taylor excels at. It feels very interpersonal, like it feels oh, like yeah. two friends talking. Um. So yeah, him pulling him aside and is like man look I, we're basically family but i don't have time for pets because uh, especially when you think about what's what's been going on in wally's life in his own book oh you sure. know you're just like yeah no he can't even have a goldfish you know what though a turtle i think they can handle a turtle oh maybe yeah okay, mm-hmm. maybe a turtle uh so they go off to uh this island in costa rica mm-hmm. uh where they're you know they track this phone signal so the base might be here uh, there's a bunch of assassins. Wally takes them out, and it's very easy. But when he speeds in, he hits a force field, sort of, you know. And uh, when she walks out, this assassin lady, she kind of mm-hmm. says that. I mean, that was mainly to stop bullets and stuff. But uh, the the thought that a super speeding uh, superhero might run into it did occur yeah. to us. They basically are uh, a bullet, right? And she compares it to like a bug on a windshield, uh, which I thought was a pretty good <laughs> explanation because Wally's out. Like, oh yeah, while well, he's out, uh, Dick, yeah, Dick has to deal with this on his own. Uh, luckily, his armor is you know stab proof, as he as he points out, and yep. that was something that was set up a few issues ago. Yeah. Uh, so the poison blade doesn't kill him. Uh, he's able to knock her out, and he wakes up Wally, and you know, hurrah, we we mm-hmm. we won. But again, the, the what really peppers this issue is like the action's like solid enough, and the art's mm-hmm. uh, fun when when it happens. But it's a little personal moments. It's this Wally saying, "Hey, why aren't you and Babs just officially a couple? You you've got a dog together. You're practically living mm-hmm. together. Like, you, like, like, I'll I'll be honest. It makes me worry about their relationship because, you know, and I I feel that's what Taylor wants. So he can do oh, the sure. swerve of, oh no, they're they're meant to be together, and this is just how they, you know, they're basically an old married couple at this point, right? Oh, for like, sure. They don't need to say it, but him bringing it up, like you know, it it almost feels ominous. Uh, but yeah, but again, it feels like friends talking, uh, throughout, like even, even like when they go to do the piggyback or, you know, he goes, you know, you've been to the future and you can't tell me none of the other flashes have figured out a better way to do this. You know, it just, and then you turn the page and he's just got yeah. his back. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I love all of that, like conversation between them. It makes them, again, it makes them feel like they've been around forever and, Especially when you think back to Rebirth, we were missing these two. And it's almost like Taylor's been like, this is why people love these characters, uh, especially their relationship here. Uh, and it just feels gratifying. Yeah, so basically they've got control of her computer system now that they're inside. And Wally's going to like sort of take it apart, but Dick's like, no, 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 we can use this. And he effectively mm-hmm. puts out a bunch of hits uh, that are all trapped. So you see like this like montage of panels where all these assassins are coming after what look like innocent civilians. But then, you know, should that, you know, Shazah, 
which is kind of like mm-hmm. Shazam. I, don't know, t- I was ta-da. going for ta- I was going for Tada, but as I said Shazam, and then I was like, yeah. where did that come from? Anyway, so you know, John's there at one of them, and then the other ones are all Teen Titan members. You know, Starfire, uh, Donna Troy, so on. Uh, like basically, it's like no, we're going to lure them all in, and they end up arresting and apprehending like twenty plus uh, of the world's most deadly assassins. So they kind of yeah, they kind of take out the this ring from just carelessness on on the assassin's part, which I I accept because the whole way they get the phone from KG Beast, uh, and they take off his mask to use the face recognition to unlock the phone, you know, and it's just it's it's really funny how. Technology has undone this criminal ring. And even um, before that, he, yeah, the, the GPS, like, oh, the last mm-hmm. location they went to. Oh, that's where the bomb is. Uh, why did you want to run off and deal with it quickly? Yeah, <laughs> it was all very simple stuff. And I and I, and I appreciate Taylor for structuring that way where it doesn't, you know, it's not the typical superhero. Oh, we got to go find the bomb. And it, it was the... What's nice about yeah, it as we well know that. is that both examples is Dick that thinks of these things. So there's that mm-hmm. detective side of him, you know, that he's, he's gotten from bats coming through, yeah. which is nice. Uh, the final page of the book is Blockbuster and Lady Shiva. And Shiva's like, well, you want me to kill Dick Grayson? Look, they just took down this entire ring. Dick Grayson, for whatever reason, they, and they don't know why, obviously, but right. Dick Grayson is protect. He's got high, he's got friends in high places, meaning like all the superheroes. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, no one is taking this job. No one wants to be the assassin who goes after Dick Grayson because clearly it's a it's a stupid thing to do. And the the final point of the issue and what this all this whole issue is building up to is the sentence: "If you want Dick Grayson dead, blockbuster, you're going to have to do it yourself." And that is a great point to leave on. It's like okay, it makes sense. He would send after everyone, and we've had like a whole arc of like people coming after Dick. We had that great you know one big mm-hmm. giant panel issue. We've yeah. had. Uh, the assassination attempt with the Teen Titans showing up. We've had these two last issues with with Wally, and now we're at the point where it's like, no, the boiling boiling point this was always going to reach is that Blockbuster himself is going to have to make make an attempt. He's going to have to come after. It. It's going to be more personal. It's going to have to be more one on one, and that makes sense because all this stuff has been fun and all of it makes sense. But ultimately, the more personal it is the the higher the stakes feel. So yeah, yeah was a good idea. See, and we always talk about how this feels like a Daredevil story but with like smiles and light um and just that end i was just getting big kingpin vibes from blockbuster oh blockbuster's totally kingpin in the context of this yeah and so you know this is like someone telling fisk you want daredevil dead you're gonna have to do it yourself uh and it just that hits and it works because it's such a not a trope i'm trying to think of a better term for that you know it's just in superhero comics you know the the guy that didn't want to get their hands dirty the villain ultimately has to and we're pretty sure it's going to lead to his downfall oh for sure um, and that, this is the this last panel the heavy inks actually do help at the mood a yeah. lot because you know it makes sense that he's got all these shadows on his face and yeah. he's looking very menacing so also uh shiva brings up that you know two of the assassins had their hearts removed which is a nice reminder heartless is still out there yeah yeah operating yeah which obviously is you know we'll get to that separately from mm-hmm. this blockbuster threat but it's interesting mm-hmm. that he got to a couple of them himself. Yep. So, you know, interesting. Again, reminder, as you say. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this issue. Uh, I think, yep. obviously, the art's not as good as Redondo, and that's something right. that we said about the last issue as well. But it's still pretty solid. Like, it's not bad art by any means. Uh, it fits the tone of the book uh, appropriately enough. 
but it's all the little personal moments. It's Wally and Dick's friendship. It's, mm-hmm. it's Babs checking if Dick's okay because, you know, KG Beast is kind of like a, maybe a sore subject. Like, you know, encounter yeah, him might, diff- you know, trigger It you know, could be a mental trigger for him, yeah. right? Like, you know. Um, well, I'm just Wally using, the you know, being almost the voice of, of us, for lack of a better term, of, you know, we were upset because you hurt our friend. Um, it's like that. And again, it just, Taylor keeps showing us how Dick has this cushion of friends and people who love him around him. Like seeing John show up in that, you know, not just after the, um, the crossover we just had, but like that we know that, that Clark kind of pulled him aside and said, Hey, watch out for my boy, you know, and to see him showing up to help Dick it's it's, you know, it builds to that. It adds to that cushion. I mean, it's something we've said since the start of this run is that Taylor understands the appeal of Dick Grayson and why mm-hmm. fans like him, and mm-hmm. everything is playing to those strengths. It never feels like it's ignoring them or it doesn't understand them. Right. Uh, but it also, it's writing a good enough story and is given his stake, so it doesn't just feel like pandering either. So it's, there's a healthy balance there, which, right. you know, you want. So, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's why he's so good. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, what are you rating Night One? I'm even this one 8.5. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree with 8.5. Yeah, that's a really good issue. Uh, maybe with Redondo, it could it could get that extra point just because we love Redondo so much. I, um, yeah, I, I love what it builds up to. I love the the ending with Blockbuster. It's, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the perfect okay, we're, get, we're getting to act three of this arc. You know, if this is the Nightwing yep. Must Die or Grayson Must Die arc, then yeah, this is the natural like getting to act three of it. So uh, really cool stuff. The Flash, 781. Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin on the art. This is a Wally and Wallace story uh, where Wallace is taking a mass test with the, his fellow sort of weird group of Teen Titans. What's, what's <laughs> left of Titans Tower after that event we didn't read? <laughs> They're in like some sort of abandoned old school builder or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, basically, uh, so the, this, I don't know if this is something that's happened before, or if this is something that uh, this book's come up with, but this idea that Wally calls Wallace Ace because it's the difference in the name is the Ace. I have not, so granted, Wally just has taken this book over. I don't remember him ever calling him Ace, and I was having issues with it at first, because it feels so forced, but the longer it goes and the more irritated you see Wallace get with it, yeah, it, more, it worked, I, yeah, it worked in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, in the long run. Because the first, I, I almost, you know, when it first started, I almost went to Twitter and was like, all right, Wally calling him Ace just doesn't work. And then I was like, wait, read the whole book first. And then when we get to that, and every time Wallace is like, no, that's not my name. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever, Ace. It really <laughs> made Wally feel like this tryhard uncle that just wants to be cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's very much what this is. is he's trying mm-hmm. to be there for Wallace and yep. sort of show him that he's part of a Flash family. Because uh, Wallace, of course, has been in a, a bit of a grouchy mood ever since the later part of Williamson's Flash run, and this is very yeah. much Wally trying to reach out, make him feel included, uh, take him on his patrol. I kind of love mm-hmm. at the ending, it kind of builds up to saying, hey, I, I kind of had a date night with Linda, can you babysit? And it makes <laughs> sense that we need yeah. a speedster to be a babysitter, yeah. because, you know, Given the kids' powers now, yeah. and Irie and Jay, yeah, those two, it just makes sense. Trouble. But I love that it built up to that. But yeah, this is just like he tells a story about how he used to go on patrol with Barry, but Barry would only take him for the the, the bare minimum just to make him feel like he was doing something. And I'm like, no, okay, you're off home now. We are safe. I'm going to go off and be the proper Flash now. 
And then Wally started sneaking out and going to help just various things when he could. He'd mm-hmm. run all over the world and help with muggers. And there's like a montage. It's almost like that scene, in that montage in the first Superman movie where he's getting the cat burglar and then the other fell in over here. And it's just like going around and helping various situations. Uh, but there's some, there's some fun panels though, of them racing through like deserts and canyons and uh, over archways and things like that. And he takes them to Amsterdam, I think it is. Uh, no, sorry, Argentina. Oh, no. Argentina. Argentina. Yeah, get my countries mixed up. Uh, because he wants them to try this ice cream because the place is shutting down soon and he has to try this before it goes. Yep. Uh, which leads to one of the most uh, interesting editor's notes I've seen in some quite time. So uh-huh. some people here call him Flushman. They don't call him the Flash. Some of the, some of the Argentinians come up and call him Flushman. And the editor's note just says, Internet search, Flushman, Argentina, thank me later. And I'm like, all right, that's a bold move, but you've, you've made me too curious, so now I'm going to search and see what comes up. Yep. Uh, so for anyone who didn't actually bother searching this, if you're just listening to the podcast and wondering what Flushman is, basically when The Flash was originally a thing, or at some point in, in his history, there was a bit of a copyright issue in Argentina. They weren't really allowed to call him The Flash, so DC in Argentina called him Flushman. That was like his Argentinian nickname because just to get around illegal and i'm sure that's something that's not an issue anymore but yeah this is where it comes from so there are some great covers of you know flash covers that we recognize yeah with flush man on them which if you care to look look Um, don't make i mean admittedly maybe to you know in argentina the word flush doesn't conjure up the the image of a toilet seat to them yeah so it's not as silly to them but to us (laughs) it's, it's pretty silly but you know um it's really funny that this has been made kind of in continuity now, where, like, no, people in Argentina, like, because that, that's why this ice cream place is here, right? That That's why right. he set it here, because he wanted to put this joke in. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, that's fine, but... Well, and uh, I also like the fact that when you have super speed, right, you can find, like, the best food in the world, mm-hmm. um, and and be there real quick. So, of course, like, the best ice cream, you know, is in Argentina. You know, to Wally at least. Yeah, um, yeah. Because later on, I think they're in Chicago, and it's like that's where he gets the pizza from. Because that's where. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that's debatable. The, the the war between Chicago and New York, as far as who's got the best pizza, is an ongoing thing. But that's you know. Here, here's the thing: Wally's from the Midwest, so of course he would be more keen to Chicago pizza than New York pizza. Yeah. Um, he's wrong. But hey. <laughs> see, everyone's got an opinion on this. Now, admittedly, I have never had the privilege of a deep dish Chicago pizza. I don't. I've never had one. They're, they're not Look, really readily available here. So, as as I was telling my brother, we went to a hockey game on Monday, and I got a, a pizza. You know, it's stadium pizza, right? It's a little bit overpriced, but you could take the risk with stadium pizza because at the end of the day, most pizza's pretty good. And so, like, if you're making me choose between New York and and Chicago. I'm going to pick New York, but I'm not going to turn down Chicago pizza if that's all they have. It's pizza's <laughs> pizza. So, you know, um, and as he learned, because he got, he got like some kind of weird taco dish or burrito dish that he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe stadiums aren't the place for burritos. <laughs> and it's like, that's why you go with pizza, my guy. Um, but yeah, so, um, but you know, man, if I had superpowers, if I had super speed, you'd be going all different places to eat. It's a joke in the, uh, I think it's the pilot of Lois and Clark where he says, I'll go, get, I'll go pick us up some Chinese food. And you see yeah. him just swishing around to China yeah. to, to get authentic Chinese food. 
You know, judging from what you've told me, I'm I have super speed and I need Chinese food. I'm going to Scotland. So oh sure, yeah, you know Ch- Chinese food Scotland's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I never thought it was. I never assumed it was any different from American Chinese food mm-hmm. until I heard it uh, mentioned in the Buffy comic, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, someone who's tried both wrote that, and they're they're they're, they're saying that I, for a reason. So I'm curious. I think it has something to do with the grease. Your guys' grease is probably better quality than our grease. <laughs> like. You know, well, I mean, um, you're, I mean, your guys' uh, like soft drinks suck. Like your Coke is disgusting. Well, I th- thanks to the pandemic virus that I, I received back in October, all soda tastes wrong to me now. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to take your word no, for it because because it's uh it's, it's the, the 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 corn the fructose corn syrup or right? something instead uh, of just sugar. Which yeah, you, we can get. There's a, a bottling plant in Mexico that you can still get sugar Coke. Mm. um from from mexico you have to know where to look for it and it does taste different you know someone you know you can't look and say that they're the exact same because they're not um so you're probably onto something there yeah i was baffled look yeah 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 so so regular chocolate chinese food and bizarrely something that should be the same everywhere coca-cola uh all taste worse than the u.s (laughs) Oh, that's <laughs> uh, jokes on us. Uh, yeah, seriously. Like, eat, eat a bite of like a bar of Hershey's chocolate, then bite into a Galaxy bar, and just tell me, tell me, like, I got the hankering for a honeycomb bar the other day, mm. just based off of having it once. I mean, um, like a like a crunchy or what? Yeah, I, I forget what the name of it was, but it was one of those honeycomb ones that has chocolate over it. So it's not quite a Butterfinger, but the consistency is kind of the same. Um, but yeah, it was the chocolate, the honeycomb, all this. I got it at a at like a British store in mm. Ventura. Um, so good. The candy is just better. I you know I'll fight most people on that. I so. mean, I really like Butterfingers, and I like some of the the, the Reese's stuff, but uh, like the 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 the. the, the Raw is not the right word because chocolate's not raw, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the, just the the, the, the regular chocolate on its own is far superior. It's yeah, it's too chalky. Um, you need everything else to do the heavy lifting. Um, but mm. yeah, just just like an uh, even an arrow bar, which is just air in in chocolate, tastes better. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, go back to the flash here. Uh, we have. Uh, that's heart to heart on top of this tall building where Wallace is really upset about everything, uh, but he talks him into it by telling him about his own experiences and how he discovered and sort of proved to Barry that he should be more involved in the Flash activities. Mm-hmm. Convinces Wallace to come on his patrol with him and says, "Hey, I need to know that someone else can cover it when I need to take a day off." So he takes him around, takes him to a uh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. center of the earth. Yeah, we ha- and there's a nice little bit here, which is like, this was like a little funny bit to me, but it was basically there's these like weird like murder domes that keep getting built, and Wally doesn't destroy them. He just like sort of takes enough little bits out of it every time, and the reason why he doesn't mm-hmm. try to stop whoever's doing it because he figures, well, if they keep spending all their time and money on building these over and over again, then they're not doing other things. So I might as well just keep mm-hmm. them busy doing this. So I was like, "There's a devious logic to that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they stop some villains on a speedboat, and that's a fun couple of panels. Yeah, they're the cause they, you had to remind me. I read this early in the week. Yeah. They're the Legion of Doom domes. So like the ones that we saw during the Justice League uh, by Snyder. Mm. You know, they look like the old cartoon 
that they keep just sprouting up. And so, yeah, those are the ones. Because when you started saying murder domes, I was like, I forgot what they called. He called it a yeah. uh, dome of doom. That's what. That's yeah. what the actual. So, so I had to go back was. to, it and then it clicked when I saw it sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the end of the issue is Wally asking Wallace to babysit him, trying to get out of it. But then there's an explosion, and Gerder uh, comes out of a bank with wads of cash, and it's like, okay, we're going to be flashies, and they're both in costume. So it's, it's kind of like, it's a very happy kind of bonding issue. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to have Wally and Wallace bond a little bit because by their very nature, Wally was taken away and Wallace was put in to kind of replace him. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. This is like, you know, like, no, no, we can coexist. We can, the, the, the fans should know that we, we are going to have a friendship. We're going to have a history together. We're going to work together. Uh, there's even a reference in here implying that in the timeline currently that they do remember growing up where Wally was yeah. like the older teenager and like Wallace was maybe like 10 or something because he mentions mm-hmm. playing hide and seek with him when he was a kid. Uh, but yeah, so... This was a, a nice, nice little time. Nothing spectacular yeah. or like showy, but yeah, uh, no, like um, it, it's just nice. Like again, Adam seems to get Wally, and that's why I was first I got upset about him calling him Ace. But then as the issue kept going, and how you know Wally's just trying too hard to get Wallace, you know, to to listen to him, you know, and it's just I guess part of Wally's charm that eventually he just wears him down enough, um, and. I think that's a again a, a pretty good understanding of this character, which I shouldn't be surprised with because since I came back and I'm enjoying, you know, Adam's flash run for the most part, um, you know, uh, I, I'm curious to see where this goes now. With you know, with, we still have that unresolved, you know, Linda ending up with the speed powers, and you know, but this yeah. is a nice little break to reestablish uh, Wallace. Uh, and there is like a brief. I wouldn't even say a reference, but there's a little moment where Wally says, I'm with Linda's... So, uh, he, he sort of trails off, mm-hmm. but there's like a little moment where he's saying, oh, the, the kids are you know, all this handful, and then with Linda, what's going on with her? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like just a little tease that like he is aware of something uh, that I'm assuming we're, we'll get back to. But it says, yeah. next time Iron Heights, so I wonder if we're just sort of going to... Because it doesn't necessarily feel like we have to deal with Gardner. It just kind of feels like no. a, an issue ending, like, ah, this is who they can beat together kind of thing mm-hmm. off panel, but... Uh, maybe they're going to sort of like start the next issue with them like uh, dropping off at Iron Heights and that'll lead to whatever the yeah whatever's going on because it's always you know there's there's only one place worse in the DC uh, universe to hold criminals than Arkham Asylum or than um, Iron Heights and that's Arkham Asylum you know Mm -hmm. Uh, Iron Heights has a turnover rate so I'm sure yeah. there's strange things afoot going on there. Yeah, Bell Reeves not that much better though. I'm not. Uh... No, but Bell Reeves ha- has it built in because that's how you join the Suicide Squad. Is you get mm. sent to to Bell Reeve. Um, so so yeah, but you know it, it's just it's good. It's flash storytelling. Like I'm I'm happy to have it uh, back. You know, and it doesn't feel like it's like I'm glad that we didn't have to check out that that crossover. This just picks up. Oh, like, for sure, yeah. You know, like, there's nothing. Like, go back and see. There's none of that. Um, Like, I'm just assuming that seeing those covers, Titan Tower got destroyed, and that's why this group of Titans is still doing school, which I think is cool, Um, because you kind of need a place for those young heroes. So it is doing a little bit of, like, you know, continuity building, I guess you could say, while not addressing it at all, which is a, that's quite a skill. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it's just it's a nice. I think Wallace needed this more than anything, mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. uh, and 
Now it's going to be nice when he pops up in and like it is someone that Wally can count on, especially if Barry's going to be away for a while still. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what always works with the Flash too, right? Is the the family. And, oh yeah, you know, in like... the same ways that we were enjoying the Dick's building a relationship mm-hmm. with John. That's kind of sweet. It's nice yeah. to have a similar thing here with uh, yeah. Wally it's, Moss. Yeah, it's why I've always been more akin to you know these type of books at DC. Right, because of you have those legacy characters. Like I've always read a Teen Titans book for the most part, because of you know those young characters and their interpersonal between them. And you know when Nightwing would show up and he's like a mentor to this younger group, you know. And then for a while that was gone. So it's nice to see it's building back up, like that web of characters, you know, that we all know that like seeing Starfire pop up in Nightwing, right? And it's just you just accept it. It's not like a huge moment. It's just someone that's there. Just like here, if, you know, Jay Garrick or Max Mercury or someone like that had showed up, you're just like, oh, yeah, cool. That's a flashbook. Of course they do. And yeah. I'm, I'm liking this era for that, uh, especially with these two books that we've already talked about. Yeah. I, I do love, though, that you said, I, you know, I've always read Teen Titans mostly, and I'm like, except for the vast majority of time this show's existed. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I, I do try. Right? It's not like we haven't... Oh, yeah. Every time they start a new one, we give it a try and we hope for the best. But You know, but, you know, Young Justice, I tried to, you know, it's just Robin. I feel that's why I love Robin so much is because there's that young hero web that's being built Mm. there, too, with Damien and, you know, because you, like, Wallace is a contemporary of Damien more than anybody, you know, so if he showed up in that Robin book at some point, you wouldn't be surprised. No, not at all. So... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Were you given a flash seven eight one? I think it was seven point five. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll probably just go with the flash seven. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 it was good. It was a good seven. I think it's a good little consistent run uh, mm-hmm. thus far. So uh, happy enough. Uh, there you go. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest issue two. Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. So. We ended last issue, Superman was infected with the red kryptonite and was taken to the Doom Patrol's, uh, you know, mansion. Mansion. Uh, for Niles called it to try and work his magic, as it were. And, uh, yeah, I think the first issue had this weird thing where because the first chunk of it was something we'd already read and it was oversized because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least you still got a few issues worth after that chunk. Yeah. But it made it kind of this weird read. Um, this issue, like... But barring just, like, I guess the, the little asterisks that yeah. Mark Wade likes to just go ridiculous with some of the powers, and we'll talk about those. Other than that, I just kind of loved this and loved how mm-hmm. kind of fun and pulpy it was. And, like, I don't necessarily want in continuity, like, Dick and Kara to have, like, some sort of slightly romantic history, but it was really funny in this issue. Like, see when she shows up and you get the, the cold effect on the, the speech uh-huh. bubbles when, when they're like, Robin. Oh. Supergirl is like, oh, I'm already entertained. Yep. Well, and it, it does feel like this is an alternate Earth, right? Like, this is a the world's finest Earth, if you will. Like, it's golden or silver age adjacent, you know? Yeah, it's definitely sil- and- it's silver age adjacent with a little bit of like, you know, just, just like little sprinkles of like things from continuity, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you've got um, they're working on Superman. Eventually, it's Negative Man going into Superman's body, yeah. and we see there's a great visual. It's almost like um, Fantastic Voyage, but with 
negative man's spirit like going through yeah. the the body yeah so so calder tries to to do some uh, operation on superman to make sure that like the radiation hasn't got to his heart and then he realizes like it doesn't matter if it's green kryptonite or red kryptonite whatever it, it's going to be superman's death unless they can you know get all this radiation out um and they have to basically because negative man is, he absorbs radiation is that right that they you know they, um, he has to get into Superman's it, 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 body. It varies a bit, but die for, yeah. for the sake of this, sure. <laughs> yeah, that he has to get in there and absorb all that red K radiation, but which I do like, um, and just like Mark Wade just having fun, right? And then Dan Moore getting to draw all these different characters. It's just super super cool. Like yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm like... not that familiar with the Doom Patrol, but seeing Dan Moore draw. Robot Man. So sure. I yeah. think it's really cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I've come to love those Doom Patrol characters. Between what I've read of Grant Morrison's run mm-hmm. and the couple of seasons of the show I've watched, you know, I've come mm-hmm. to really kind of love a lot of Doom Patrol and yeah. like seeing those characters. Even seeing just a quick flash of like uh, like Mongol fighting Batman, Superman, uh, and that little beat. Which what was funny is that it took me a second to even recognize them because I'm so used to now the more modern the- like. Like, yeah, because this is like a the, the pulpy, vibrant colors cartoony Mongol, which makes sense. Yeah, this is this that that is from a man who has everything, which is my favorite Superman story of all time. So of course, you know, Mark Wade's going to to pull from that, right? Mm. Um, and I I do also love the art shifts that Mora does, right? So we get that one there where it seems more of that era, you know, the the heavier, bulkier lines. You know, it's not as clean and crisp. It's a little bit flat. And then when we later, when we get to them retelling the the origin of the villain, it it becomes more fantastical, almost oh, yeah, like um, yeah. like like a relief type painting or like a tapestry, which is just it's really cool. But yeah, seeing that version of Mongol versus the you know the one that we have now, whatever Mongol, two hundred and forty three, <laughs> whatever one he is, Mongol who is, point. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, just the Doom Patrol stuff, and um, when when uh, Batman. Uh, was he sneaks up on on Robin in, um, who was it? Yeah, and and they both jump. I thought that was a real fun moment. Well, I actually like the end of it where Batman smiles because he's happy. Clark's okay. Yeah, and it's like, you know, is Batman smiling? It happens, and you think we are spooky. <laughs> yeah, it's real, real good. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so they they find out that um, the the person behind this is. Someone they're calling the devil, uh, Necha, which I'd look up how to say that. Because yeah, I was going to say just say Neza, but yeah. So I looked up how to say it, and it is a you know it's a mythological figure from uh, Chinese folklore, which I'm wondering, seeing the Monkey King, uh, being drawn in there, I'm wondering if this is a way to get the Monkey Prince stuff, you know, in mainline DC, which would be super cool because there's there's always room for those type of characters. Especially, you know, how we end up at the end of this with with Billy involved. Yeah, we should talk um, about this uh, story that's told. It's only a couple yeah. of pages, but it's basically this uh, this emperor, this king, whoever, mm-hmm. uh, lost his son in battle and was so devastated that he tried to then go around every shaman and magic person to try and figure out, is there a way to resurrect my son? Mm-hmm. And he found nothing and he spent his entire fortune, because he was, you know, he was filthy rich, but he ended up spending right. all of it to the point where he ended up do- doing chores for a for a magician in the hopes or, or, or a wizard maybe is a better term 
yeah. in the hopes of just like getting the the favor of like some way to bring his son back. And this this you know magic man does give him uh you know this liquid to pour over his son's body. And the t- dark twist of the whole story is is that he, you know he resurrects his son. It's been like ten years since the son died, and the son is disgusted of what his father's become in order to bring him back. So like, no, we were you know you're a pauper we we were important we were at the top, we were, the top. Yeah. We, you know we were the, the we were respected and then de- decapitates his father and then he goes on to become this you know this neza uh mm-hmm. character with the with the horns and all the rest so there's a lot of a lot of mythology they're kind of seeping into this mm-hmm. um really painting them as a as a big bad it's all yeah. good fun stuff then they talk about uh, a team of heroes that, that fought him um, the house of chi which which was formed by the followers of his father, right? Because his father mm-hmm. was Ji, um, Li Jing. So um, they they rise up to to oppose him. Yeah. So uh, so they want to figure out, you know, exactly how to to bait to fight, fight this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, so they're they're going in, and this we see that they're uh, this Nez is going after other heroes. He's going after uh, the Flash. Going after mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. And it mentions a boy in Philadelphia. And, and, I, for, and for a second, I was like, I don't know who this is. It be, obviously, it made much sense when they actually got to him later and it's Billy Batson. Yeah. Uh, but the, the story splits in two. So, so Batman and Superman are going to go off and help this this kid and like deal with stuff on Earth. But they're sending Robin with Supergirl. And this is mm-hmm. one of the weird things where they've kind of added some... Or I don't know if it's necessarily added, but... Like, obviously we're super familiar with the Flashies running back in time, and that's something yeah. they really have with them. Uh, but in this issue, Supergirl, like, flies back in time as well. Like, she, you know, she breaks the, the barrier, and they go into the past, because they want to speak to this this team of heroes and uh, get advice. Obviously, they see see Robin holding this sword that belongs to the bad guy, and they're like, wait, you work for, you know, the devil, so we're mm-hmm. going to fight you. And they're like, shit. <laughs> but... Uh, that's kind of their plot line that they go on, but there's a lot of fun bickering uh, between them, which honestly was pretty entertaining. Yeah, um, they talk about something that had happened between them, and you're only getting like you're not meant to get the yeah, whole story. You're getting fragments. Yeah, uh, but I also uh, like there's a reference here because this was a debate last issue about the Robin's outfit and if you know yeah. it being Dick and you know, he's wearing, but he's wearing the stuff that's more Tim like, mm-hmm. and she even says, "Hey, you know, like the pants," and he's like, "I'm trying them out." Yeah, so. Yeah, there is kind of in there that it is, uh, it is Dick because uh, it does sound like Dick. To be fair, it does. So, and it always. Well, that did. was the whole big thing is yeah. that maybe Mora just wanted to draw the staff, you know? Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Um, but but yeah, no, that their whole thing and yeah, her breaking the space barrier. I thought maybe that had to do something with the Doom Patrol, you know, them knowing where this crack, you know, maybe because uh, they, they bring but the it's sword not clear. They bring the sword with them, so maybe the swords get something to yeah. do with it. But it, it did kind of feel like the the other one was um, uh, so when they're fighting uh, uh Faust, Felix Faust, mm-hmm. and Superman like realizes hey he can he can still hear us, and he sort of whistles whistles at a frequency to give yeah. him vertigo. I was like, this is not as like ridiculous or as far fetched as what Supergirl did, but it was still kind of one of those things where like I never hear this get brought up with Superman. I, I'm not like a big. Uh, no, I mean, but the way they couch it makes sense with infrasound, which is sound that you can feel but not hear. Yeah, so yeah. It's at such a level. I mean, I just feel like, again, this is Mark Wade. Just I mean, I'll, doing... I'll, I'll roll with it. It's not a big deal, yeah. but it's, you know, no. it's, it's not, if I was writing a Superman story, I wouldn't be putting this in there. No, but again, I feel like Mark Wade's like, again, silver agey. Yeah. You know? 
But once um, again, again, yeah, it fits maybe the vibe that he's going for. Yeah. So it's fine. You just you go with it. Because because one of the things that I also don't like, uh, like I, I'm fine with Clark having. Obviously, he's got X-ray vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't mind microscopic vision, and this, this at least to the extent where he can look look really far away and like zoom in if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so big that when he can literally just like sort of look at you in an atomic structure level and like tell yeah. you that you're you know oh your your skin cells have got something I'm like no that's that's too far you went too far yeah. with the power there no there there's that and then there's like the super intellect thing where he's actually a genius and I kind of like the idea that he's smart in the way that a journalist is smart but he's not like Batman where he because there's even that joke about mm. what you're seeing is two people that are used to being the smartest guys in the room. Uh, as he's telling that to Robin. Um, and I feel like, yeah, Superman's smart, but he doesn't, you know, yeah, it's not because, in the same way that Batman is. It's because Bruce and Niles keep trying to, yeah. like, one-up each other and how much they know about all this myth stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I prefer that. Yeah, obviously he's a smart guy, but yeah, I'm not yeah. necessarily big on these super, and like, I don't want it to be a power. I just want it to be, no, no he's, a, he's a bright guy who learns things. That's that's right. fine. It, it's akin when the, uh, when the Flash goes to read, like, read up on a subject and because of the super speed he can absorb it for that moment and know what to do but unless he's practicing it it's not like he's going to remember yeah and i remember yeah. that being a thing in um in john's teen titans with bart is that when he was laid up with the broken leg he just started reading a whole bunch of books you know so he could be he could know up on a bunch of different things so i do like that but yeah. it's not like that super smart speed is one of the Flash's go-to things all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, so the big thing here is that, like, so Felix is after Billy. Uh, Batman and Superman don't know this is, like, Shazam, right? They don't know it's Captain right. Marvel that they're dealing with here. But uh, he's done something to him where his mouth is, like, sealed shut, so he can't say Shazam. He can't transform. So, obviously, we know that if he's if his mouth gets fixed, he can be a big help here. Uh, but... Uh, so, but, so there's a nice little play here where you know it never happens this issue, but I suspect we're going to get a big moment in next issue or something where he finally gets to say Shazam, and it's like, oh shit! We, now we have someone who's Superman level of powers can can help. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, obviously the art's fantastic. Like, there's there's so many expressive little moments. Um, I you know, so, something as simple as Supergirl flying with Robin and Dick just having his arms folded in a huff, the way he's been held, is just really funny. Uh, yeah. You know, or, or, or even like as much as I don't like the necessarily like the whistling thing, like yeah, the panel where it's the close up of the actual whistling does look really good. Like it's drawn exceptionally. Yeah, Mora's uh, so. so good at layouts. So mm-hmm. like you, just the way that uh, right above that where he's whistling, the way that that Superman and Batman are in separate panels, but it's the same shot. Yeah. Right. It just it moves your eye with their like whoever's doing his lettering and stuff. He must work really well with Yeah, them. it's obviously, you know, we compare it to film a lot because it's easy to mm-hmm. talk about movie shots and the way things are edited and stuff. But what's interesting here is you, you don't have camera moves in comics, uh, but separating one panel, which is really one image, but into two, is a way to tell you how to move your eyes. So it kind of is emulating a camera pan. Like, you know, you're effectively giving the same feeling to the to mm-hmm. the, the audience to the the reader slash viewer but through a different technique because it's a different medium and it's funny to comp- that's why that's why it's so interesting to compare them because ultimately the art form and the goals that it's seeking to achieve are the same it's just mm-hmm. that the techniques and the tools are different and that's, right. that's fascinating to me well and that's why like when you hear like a comic a cinematic right oh like, yeah that's yeah. 
why that has meaning, you know. Um, and then other times you get some some stuff where you're just like, oh, it works, but you don't get that same feeling. You know, yeah. here you get that feeling, just like even I'm looking at the Supergirl and Robin page and just the way that it it is laid out, you know, and this also could be Wade too with his direction in the script. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just everything is, you know, what you learn in film school with shot composition. And that's just, it's a really smart way to, to you know, think about comics. Um, yeah, it mean, makes for an effortless read. Every form of storytelling, every medium of storytelling, you know, is unique and has its own mm-hmm. things, but a lot of the thinking skills are, mm-hmm. you know, transferable between them. There's a reason for that, mm-hmm. because they all, the fundamentals ultimately all, all come back to the same stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the end of the issue is just that Felix doesn't need his wand anymore. He's been given, like, greater power by the devil, uh, Nezra, and... Uh, the end of the issue is that he, he seemingly puts Superman, Batman, and Billy Batson in hell. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. surrounded by monsters and fire, and that's where we end up. And this is one of these things where, like, this might just feel like a throwaway silly thing in some, if, if it was like a regular series, but because this entire thing's meant to be this pulpy Silver Age kind of like feeling yep. to it, uh, this just kind of brought a smile to my face. So, yeah. Uh, it, it really feels it. like the, the Superman and Batman I started collecting way back in like 04. That was done by Loeb, where there are these stories that, you know, they're using concepts that we're all familiar with from the hmm. mainline DC, but they kind of feel like they're off to their own. But, you know, that's like how he brought Supergirl back, right? And that Michael Turner. Um, and it, eventually she got her own book, you know, but it, at that time, it didn't feel like, you know, Supergirl was going to exist outside of Superman, Batman. And that's how this kind of feels, too. And, but... I'm relieved because I'm. If this is just going to be its own little corner, that's fine, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been. I don't know. It's scratching a niche that no other book's scratching. I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. So yeah. Uh, what are you giving World's Finest issue to? Uh, I'm giving this an eight point five. I will concur with the eight point five. I look in car. So there you go. Batman the Night, issue four, Chip Zarsky, writing with Carmine DJ Domenico on the art. So this, uh, obviously, it's hard not to think of uh, Batman Begins a little bit at the start of this because it's, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Cri- climbing the mountain to get to the, the, the dojo. <laughs> yep. Uh, but basically, he gets beat up a lot by various different uh, like students that, that are training here. And then eventually mm-hmm. one day he's let in and he befriends a fellow student who, like, so so Bruce gives a fake name. He, he keeps calling himself Jack. And this guy right. goes by Anatoly. But the entire time I'm thinking, who is this asshole? <laughs> like, he is someone. And I didn't get it by the end of the issue. And maybe it's maybe it's blatantly obvious and I'm being an idiot. But I don't know who it is. And it's bugging me. <laughs> Whoever it is, it's untrustworthy. And it made me think Ghostmaker. That's just because I don't like Ghostmaker. Um, uh, unless like Zarsky really wants to tie it into recent continuity, yeah, it can't be right. No, I feel like this is just a character that we we see that is he's meant to represent Bruce's trust and how quick Bruce is to trust people that he maybe shouldn't. Mm. You know, because by the time we see at the end, this person has their own. Uh, their own at, goals. At, at the very least, he's well. I don't know if this has his own goals. He probably does, but 
Yeah. Uh, at the very least, he's manipulative because when mm-hmm. Bruce goes to leave because he doesn't want to learn how to kill someone because that's mm-hmm. the, the lesson that they're going to teach. Yeah. Uh, like a bunch of the shouldn't show up and fight him. The 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 the, the newer ones who are mm-hmm. getting the the carte blanche to come in because the 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 you know the 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 expert the sensei, the sensei he he is um basically for protection for allowing him to operate he has to train a batch of students for whoever like his benefactor is so whatever like mob boss or you know head of the whether it be yakuza or whatever the triads mm-hmm. uh it's a japanese sensei but it mentions that he's on the border of china and korea uh he, yeah located. so he, he was kicked out of japan for teaching the deathly arts yes and so this is where he went I kept thinking they were referring to Roz because oh, the benefactor, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I mean, it makes sense. These could be like a, you know shadows slash assassin that's, slash whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that's this guy made me think of the sensei, which is the character. Yeah, that, that's you know, he's being trained. Could be like people that Raz wants trained yeah. for. Yeah, um, right. But anyway, what I was getting to is at the end, um, you know, this this you know quote unquote friend. Uh, we find out he's the one who told them to go after Bruce when he was leaving. And it's all a play so that he could come in and help Bruce so that Bruce mm-hmm. would want him to go with him. Because he, he asked him at first, like when he says he's leaving, like, let me go with you. Let us go on this journey. Because you've got this list of names to learn from that you got from Descartes. Let this go and, you know, train from them together. And Bruce is like, nah, this is my own journey. I can't do it on my own. But then when he gets help and... Oh, it's it's hard not to see like yeah, like obviously there's some other parts of this which do kind of like track like one because like, one day he's going to have a Robin, one day he's going to have mm-hmm. allies, and he's going to have these like partners that he, he fights with. But uh, that's not until later. But yeah, this guy is very untrustworthy. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like it is going to turn out to be someone. I think the idea that Bruce is using this fake name of Jack is yeah. definitely signaling to us that this other guy is also using a fake name, and we don't know who it is yet. Mm-hmm. So for sure I, 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 I just um... uh i i really like this uh this episode this issue too because it reminded me of the stuff that i love in iron fist right him climbing <laughs> up the mountain and getting the 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 piss just beat out of him but him not you know turning back uh which is also is what makes him more batman than iron fist right but just that that whole setting of him coming to train on this high mountain and him having to earn it um I, I just, I love that. And it shows, this is one of the aspects of Bruce that I like is that he won't stay down, right? Yeah. He's yeah. going to, he's going to keep coming. It's that drive that makes him Batman. Um, but yeah. So this, yeah. So this guy is uh master Kirigi. Uh, and he's the one that trained bronze tiger. Um, ah, okay. Okay. So yeah. Uh, he was created by Christopher priest and appearing in Batman Fourth Thirty One, Uh, and his first appearance was, in Detective Comics 996. Wait, Christopher Priest has been writing comics long enough to go back to Batman 400-something? 431, yeah. Damn. Let's see what okay. that was. Christopher Priest and Gemma Faro, uh creation. Uh, and that was from 1989. So, yeah. Um, okay. Good year. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, most, most important person on the planet was born that year. Are you right? Taylor Swift was born that year. Wait, she's not, she's not here to hear it. Dang it. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that just something you say to get into the good books? <laughs> oh, big big time. Uh, okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially after watching Prisoners, it'd be like, man, Jake Gyllenhaal's a hell of an actor when he wants to be. <laughs> um, you know? Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so this this character, I feel like he's taking the spot of the sensei because 
when I looked up the Sentai, it's a little bit like, ugh. this is definitely 60s comics, not for the better. Um, mm. But yeah, I do feel like there are, you know, League of Shadows, League of Assassins vibes going, which which is good because that's one of my favorite parts of Bruce's journey is like where he runs into Roz and he thinks like Roz is this person that has everything figured out. But, you know, or does he, you know, so and I'm wondering if this this guy that befriends him with, with the, you know, befriends Jack. I wonder if he's someone that works with the league and he sees the potential, you know, and he's going to take him there or Maybe? whatever, um, you know. But there's definitely know. more to him because he is charismatic. He's charismatic in the ways that Bruce isn't. But he also now that I'm looking back over at the art, he has the Roz hairline with the gray in the back. You know, mm-hmm. so now that I'm thinking that it's Roz exactly, but it, maybe it's someone to do with him. But um, yeah, I mean, this was a quick read. Uh, I because yeah. a lot of the early stuff there's a good like six, seven pages at the start that is just like the, the there's no very little dialogue. It's just fighting in the snow. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a big faces at the end, so it is a fairly quick, brisk read. This one, which is a very big contrast to, I'd say the first like two issues, which were very wordy and did yeah. take a long time to read. Um, so I appreciate the change of pace. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this as kind of just a, an interesting take on like Bruce's traveling, but you know, as he becomes um, Batman. But yeah, I'm kind of hoping this becomes uh, Batman's birthright, right? So then you could have, you know, if you want like these proto origin stories for those characters, right? You have Superman birthright, and then you'd have Batman the Night. I also like that they kind of rhyme, which I just now realized. Um, yeah, but Birthright actually but, heavily goes into like post becoming Superman though. It's like his entire first interaction and like winning over the people and yeah, Lex I know. as a villain. Like so that's like a but proper what, origin story. Whereas this yeah. I don't know how much this is actually going to like, go into like the start of his being Batman. Well that's that's why I said this one's a proto origin, right? That we'll we'll end with him coming back to Gotham, I think. Mm. You know, and then we'll go into there. Because it's I mean, you don't need to rehash year one. How many times have we done that? You know, over the course of, you know, like, I don't need to see, yes, father, I'll become the bat at the end of this. You know, I hope it's just him getting off the plane. You know, like you brought it begins at the beginning. You know, how how Bruce gets off the plane to Alfred. You know, he's like, oh, we're so glad to see you. Gets on Uh, the plane, you mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. Gets on the plane. I'm conflating that with Iron Man, where he gets off the plane and orders a cheeseburger, you know. um, Yes. Well, they have have to advertise Burger King, you see. So, yes. I have to get Burger King. Uh yeah. yeah, all right. What are you give him Batman the night? Oh, I'll give this one an eight. Okay. Uh, I think I'll probably go more with the uh, seven point five. I think. Uh. Yeah. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty solid though. It is pretty solid. Um, it does still feel a little like. Incon. There's just something about this series. That is pretty mm-hmm. solid, but just doesn't quite feel important. And I, that's like a really weird distinction because, like, mm-hmm. why does anything that's not like currently the currently ongoing story feel important? Because many do. It's hard to tell you, but there's just something about it just feels a little bit like, oh, this is a nice thing that exists, but it's not like, you know, it was like the last thing I read this week. <laughs> you know, well, it, I just like that it's a nice light read. You know, this one I was sure. happy to see all of the you know Gia Domenico fight scenes. You know, like, mm-hmm. so it's a nice break in a lot of stuff. And, you know, this was a book that I didn't really want to read. And now, thanks to Zodarsky, I get excited for Batman and I hate myself for it. 
and don't get me wrong, like, I, I'm fully anticipating his uh, actual Batman run. But, uh, yeah, I, I would describe this series as a very nice, pleasant thing that is, you know, if you, if you want another book, if you fancy it, give it a go. But mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, like, a must-read either. So, yeah. Uh, but, there you go. That's Batman the Night. Mm-hmm. Catwoman, Lonely City, Issue 3, Cliff Chang, writing, and, of course, the artist on this book. Uh, this is not the final book because I wasn't sure. I knew one of these black label books were four instead of three, and this is the four because th- this did not end. <laughs> That's a cliffhanger, and you know we'll be back. And I think August is when the fourth issue is out, so a bit, bit of time to wait for it. Uh, which, which has been the the thing with this book too, right? Like a lot of time in between. They're almost quarterly at this point. Yeah, but I mean it's Cliff trying writing and drawing everything, mm-hmm. and the other right, fifth- which understandable yeah they're, they're 50 page issues i did appreciate this there's kind of like a little premise on the the credits page which was just a nice refresh of like where we are which i kind of liked so i appreciate that uh there's flashbacks in this issue to selena's time in prison and her like befriending someone who wanted her help and then that person seemingly being injured or killed uh, by the end of it and it being quite tragic um but yeah there's so much to go because yeah, there's like 60 pages here so i don't want to necessarily recap every beat of the of the mm-hmm. book but um there's kind of a a heist at arkham where they're, they're basically just there to try and take a little bit of clay face they, you know, they just scoop a little bit off like they they give him some dodgy food in the cafeteria so that he, he collapses and one of them is you know dressed up as a, a emt or whatever and they they come in and just scoop a bit of clay <laughs> and the, the whole plan is is that they're going to like to get into the back cave which is where the heist is going to be as we as we see later, they're basically going to use a bit of Clayface's clay to do like a a Commission Impossible style fake face kind of thing. Uh, so they get like the guy's DNA, the commissioner's DNA, and then it's able to create the face. But because it's not actually connected to Clayface, it's not getting like the they're on a time where the clay is going to be useless after a while. So there's there's all this going on. Uh, and but there's a big tragic death uh, when they're going away from Arkham. They do get chased by authorities. And they end up in the tunnels, the, the, the bat cops are coming for him, and they actually, it's Killer Crocs holding up this wall so the rest of them can escape. He oh, gets no. riddled with bullets, the wall falls on top of him, uh, he's buried under the rubble, and he begs Selina to shoot him, because he wants a clean finish. He doesn't want to be taken by them, he doesn't want to die slowly. And Selina obliges and shoots him in the head. Oh, man. And then sheds a tear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's a, very emotional. So it's a very uh, this upset yeah. Matt scene. Well, just over the I'd say over the course of last year, Killer Crocs really become one of my favorite Bat villains. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear he gets a kind of noble sacrifice himself death, you know, huh. yeah, uh, you know, and the art obviously is very good. It's it's Chang and it's very consistent. It's it's got that. Uh, it's mostly boxes. There's not a lot of like other shapes. It's it's very. It feels like a sort of prestige book in that sense because the 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 facial, uh, uh the facials I suppose I'll say, uh, mm-hmm. are really good. Like the the way they react, the performances, if you will, of the characters, uh, are really good. And then it, Catwoman ends up sleeping with Riddler because they're kind of like you know they're at Croc's funeral and they're kind of comforting each other. And eventually she says, "Hey, you know, I'm round the corner." And, you know, he sort of double-checks a couple of times to make sure she's sure that she w- wants to do this. But it's kind of this weird thing where these two old friends are kind of finding comfort in each other. Um, and it just, it, 
it, it does feel right in this else world that this might be where this ends up uh but there's there's a really sweet scene actually when they're like they're they're basically stealing an artifact from the ocean which turns out to be like a a rock that has dr fate's helmet in it more on that in a minute but there's a whole thing here where they're trying to make catwoman feel better so poison ivy and riddler kind of cracking some jokes and like hey this is like the old days i'm half expecting robin to show up um and they start like you know cracking jokes where it's like holy history buffs batman and uh, a poison ivy holds out her hands and goes you'll soon find my blooms are as deadly as they are beautiful and catwoman kind of snipes at them and says stop joking around guys and it, it's kind of fun because you know they're, they're basically reminiscing about the old days but it's like all this like you know golden and silver age like cheesy dialogue mm-hmm. they're, they're saying as a joke um and it's kind of sweet because when you know they, they do this little heist uh to take this statue out of the museum they have to work together catwoman can't like do it all on their own so ivy puts down some vines to help her and when she comes back up uh catwoman sort of concedes a little bit and turns and goes you were perfect and ivy kind of smiles and says that's my girl and it's, it's kind of a sweet like ah, oh, the old timers coming back together like it, it really does feel like they're being nostalgic for a time and it, it kind of really fits the middle of the book and uh, the other thing that goes on out here actually is that all the protesters who are protesting mayor harvey dent uh, start wearing this cat mask as kind of a symbol. It's kind of like V for Vendetta. They're, they're taking Catwoman mm-hmm. as kind of a symbol. Um, and he's getting really frustrated. Uh, so they take Dr. Fate's helmet to Jason Blood. Uh, they want Jason Blood to help because they don't have Croc anymore, so they have to try and like figure it out. And the thinking here is, is that Etrigan's going to replace uh, what Croc's role in the plan Croc. was going to be. Uh, yeah, which makes sense. The yeah. creature, yeah. But Ivy starts to get worried that people are uh in danger because croc died she's even a little suspicious because some bat cops find them at one point and she's worried that someone actually turned them in and even suspects it might be riddler so she says you know what to make everything as safe as possible i'm like cutting half the people and it's just going to be her ivy and jason blood basically doing the heist and they have to rush it when they weren't prepared for it because uh the clay is going to like fail so Riddler and his daughter and like the, 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 the the young guy who was like the the costume persons, like nephew or whatever, um, like they're all told to leave. I'm sure they're gonna be back in issue four though. And it's kinda of sad when they're told to leave. Uh the, the the little sort of bickering fight that Riddler and Catwoman have, it feels really awkward and you can just like see like his daughter in the other room just sort of like standing there like upset and awkward. You really feel kinda of the 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 like the, the it breaking down and part of you almost wonders is this because catwoman like struggles to like accept personal relationships and maybe that's part of the point of showing the prison flashback is showing that when she gets close to someone they eventually get hurt and she's mm-hmm. trying to sever connections as best she can and sort of keep keep away from other people um, and there's a lot of stuff in this issue as well especially where she's kind of talking like she needs to just last a few more days like another week to get this heist pulled off it doesn't matter if her body gives out after that, which kind of sounds like, you know, she doesn't care if she dies once she pulls off what she's trying to do. Because, uh, you know, she's getting, like, these injections from Leslie Tompkins. He's like, hey, like, you can't have any more of these. You're getting too many of them. And she's like, I just need to hold out a little bit longer. And it, it all feels kind of like, oh, like, she she like, she might go out here. Like, this, this story may end with her dying. Uh, Two-Face is getting pissy because there's all these, like, protests against them. Uh, he's putting like military police out in the streets with tanks and shit. Uh, the whole thing's really, you know, got going to a boiling point. 
The big end of the issue, though, is them going to do this heist. Uh, Jason Blood wears the, the mask, pretending to be the commissioner to get the cops going. The cops, though, one of them's a little suspicious and calls it in, though, so it doesn't seem like it's completely worked, so they're probably going to show up and look, interfere with the plan. But the end of the issue is that they ask Jason to, you know, bring out the demon, bring out Etrigan, and so he does. And the portrayal in this is actually quite horrific, because he says that, you know, every time uh, requires a bit of a sacrifice. So you actually see his, like, body burn and his bones fall to the ground, and then a puff of smoke happens, and, you know, Etrigan's there. Uh, so that's, that's the end of the issue, is Etrigan like, holding up Catwoman by the neck, uh, and Ivy by the neck as well. So, it's a big ending. Etrigan's obviously a big character to bring into it, um, in this way. I, I think what works for me in this is just how invested I am in all of the, the character stuff. It's all the personal relationships, and Ivy's kind of like, you know... The, the, the Catwoman Returns kind of vibe that we're getting from this spirit. So it's all, last hurrah and not not to compare it to dark knight returns in the context of the story or anything but mm-hmm. just um you know i'm thinking this is her logan this more than yeah. anything i suppose is a better thing you know oh, it's oh. her last ride yeah almost. yeah so and i think that feeling is really there in this and it really feels like she's you know forging looking back at relationships but then shying away from them and it's kind of her going through her cycles that makes sense for the character uh, in many ways, I think this issue might be the best so far, at, at least in the context of like really delving into her as a character, because there's been a lot of good stuff like building the t- characters around her before and building up the heist and the mystery of what's in the Batcave, what this thing is. But her, personally, I think this issue benefits the most out of the, the batch because it really kind of feels like it's dealing with her psyche and how she's pushing people away. And I, I really, I got a lot out of that. Um and it being triggered again because Croc is killed and you know, it's a decent scene you know and they've made Croc very likable in this story mm-hmm. uh it's really good so um it's a good time I you know I, I it's a long read to obviously it's a big issue but that's yeah. that's why it's a lot. it's not because it feels it's not long per page it's just a lot of pages <laughs> right uh, so you know you're at about 150 so it'll be 200 pages all in when it's all done which is a nice book uh yeah. when it all, all when it's all wrapped up. Uh, I would recommend it. I, I think, you know, I was quite positive anyway in the first two issues, but I think now that I've read three out of four, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite happy to give it the seal. Yeah, once once the trade comes out, I'll tell you, since I missed the first issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it does sound something up my alley, you know. Uh, but yeah, now that another croc dies, uh, oof. Yeah, I'm really yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah, and when it goes to his funeral, it's, they're at the bar, and there's like a bunch of like live criminals, all like you know, giving him a eulogy and saluting him and all that. <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of sweetness in there. Uh, so yeah, now uh, Catwoman Lola City is definitely worth uh, checking out, as a lot of the Black Label books have. Uh, I'd probably give this issue, yeah, probably a nice, just a nice solid nine. Like it's just really mm. good. Uh, there's not a lot to fault in it. The characterization is obviously a little different because it's an Elseworld and it's in the future, but it it feels very natural to Selina and it feels like everything fits. And um, her accepting this new kind of family that she's been kind of building in the next issue when she brings back in Riddler and his daughter and the young guy, like that should feel quite sweet when it happens. Uh, if it does happen, then I'm hoping it does. I'm sure they'll still factor out the story in some way if that's not that, but uh, it should be good. So uh, that is Catwoman, Lonely City issue three uh the nice house in the lake 
Issue 8, James Tynan the fourth, mm-hmm. and Alvaro Martinez on art. Why not? Oh, oh, sorry. Do you, do you want the middle name as well? Yeah, isn't it Mar- uh, Martinez Bueno? I've always said Alvaro Martinez. Oh my god, have I been thinking? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's Alvaro Martinez Bueno. That's when. Oh, that's been on every cover. I just have never realized that uh, you you only give us middle names. Um. It never used to be not because because I've been saying his name since Detective Comics. There was definitely a time when it just said Alvaro Martinez. Okay, I'm guys, let Pete let, let Pete know. I can I can go back to Nice House number one, and it's been Bueno on there because I made the stupid joke that Bueno was good because that's what it means in Spanish. I, I I mean I don't doubt that, but like I yeah. I'm sure I'm not just saying it this way because uh, I just never noticed there was a third name. Yeah, back in Detective anyway. Comics. Yeah, so uh, this issue, obviously, we're 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 in this like second version of everything uh, now, mm-hmm. where Walter's actually inside, and this story is kind of about how one of the characters, uh, Sarah, the strategist, yeah, it like notices like what what he does with people. We see that in the flashback mm-hmm. a little bit earlier when she's describing like that. You know, he would get close to people but then show them away, and you know, there's a nice touch here where. She says, you know, she would make jokes about, oh, I'm on your list, but so and so is not on your list. And there's one that they mention, Ryan, who's actually there now, because obviously one of the characters get pulled out of the house. Right, so Ryan is the artist that was supposed to replace Reg. Yes. But Reg was kept in the secondary house where the the writer is now. Yeah, yeah. So now that Reg is back in the house, he didn't remove the, the replacement artist. Right. So... And now it seems like there's a redundancy, and Ryan is kind of feeling yeah. that redundancy. She's feeling like something's not quite right, and she's yep. the odd one out. And there's a great moment where she tries to talk to Walter, and Walter like doesn't want to talk. And it really it makes a point of saying that he didn't like Ryan; like she was mm-hmm. off the list, uh, right? Uh, but he he goes off to talk to Sarah, and it's basically that Sarah like notices that Walter's the one because Walter they don't know who Walter is now in this new timeline. They don't right. know that he's behind this or that the world's supposed to have ended. And Walter keeps... He's the one that's saying, hey, we should keep doing... Because they set up last issue that we're going to ask for a building. And this issue, when it, you know we get to the present day stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they've gotten this new little like hut, this little shed. And mm-hmm. we see like plans throughout the issue for like a spa, for an observatory, for these different buildings they're going to keep adding. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is cool. And Walter suggests maybe we should add a farm, uh, just in case they, can, they, they stop giving us food at some point. We'll have something sustainable and so on. And he keeps like suggesting plans that are for like sustainability. When everyone else obviously wants to leave, they want to get out. They want to figure right. a way out and n- not be here permanently. Uh, and she's noticing this, and uh, it's this constant thing where like th- this person's picking up on these details. We're yeah. seeing this other character feel the redundancy. So like the plan feels kind of flawed here. But we also see Walter go back and talk to uh, uh, Sarah. No, no, no. Uh, the one that's hidden now. Uh, Nora? Oh, What's yeah, it? Nora. Yeah. There we go. So she's the one who, where Reggie used to be hidden, now this is where Nora's uh-huh. hidden. And Nora remembers everything, and Walter goes there to speak to her, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, he's upset that it's not working, he's like, no, like, this needs to work, and it's like, you can't have it both ways, like, you either, either they're going to just want to go back home, or you mm-hmm. tell them that the world's not supposed to be there anymore, uh, assuming that's true, but obviously... Right. For, for all tests purposes, we'll assume it is, then they'll hate you for it. 
you can't have it both ways. And he's trash what he's trying to do right now. And like because of that, some of the characters are starting to notice that things don't feel quite right. There's cracks. There's right. things that don't. Instead add of up. just a couple of them at the beginning that were feeling like stuff wasn't quite right, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're more because it just everything feels off because, and it feels like that's how just Walter deals with people is that he wants to always have it both ways, and that's why he removes people from the list. And now because of them and because of also wanting to include Reg, right, to have it both ways, it's it's seeming to be his undoing. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I like about this is that it's, it's very much an exploration of someone who is like a bit of a sociopath and uh-huh. like uh, someone who does treat people around them like this. Obviously, in this case, it's really extreme because they, they can actually like... Yeah you know, have a list of people they save and so on. But uh, it is definitely an analysis of that type of character. And the big, obviously, ending of this issue is that Sarah finds Nora. She doesn't know it's Nora yet, but, you know, the big ending is that, like, she, like, breathes in the glass uh, mm-hmm. where, where, like, Nora's been hidden, and she's able to write in the, in the you know, in the breath, in the in glass, steam. the steam, yeah. And she she writes high, and she also tap, and she taps back. So yeah. like we have a character who has once again discovered uh, the hidden person, and yeah. it may take a while to, to you know write on breath glass like this <laughs> for, for more complex thoughts right. and ideas. But what is Sarah going to learn now from Nora? Uh, all all I could think of was Charlie on Lost, right on the other side <laughs> of the glass. And I don't want to spoil Lost for anybody, so I'm not going to say what he writes, but mm-hmm. that's that's what I immediately thought, and it gave me a chuckle. Even though I'm not supposed to, because I'm supposed to feel, like, the desperation here, yeah. right? On oh, Nora's actually, part. let me correct myself. It's not uh, Sarah who finds Nora. It's uh, Ryan. It's Ryan. It's yeah. the other artist. Yeah. Who was friends, right? Who That was the first character we met, right? And that's what, you know, she always stood out because she was the one that was friends with Walter, you know, and there's like quite an age gap between her and everybody else, you know, and always felt like she was a key to things. And we've kind of gotten away from her until now, um, which I understand what Tynan's doing story wise, while you're wanting to showcase the different points of view. But it kind of makes for a murky storytelling um, here because there's only two issues left. And unless he has this grand plan. Whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those what? not. There's four left. Is there four? I thought there was only 10. That was 12. Okay. Well, then, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> uh, I think what always confused me was the amount of symbols was always around that, right? Um, and so I looked at the symbols, and we had two left. And I was like, oh, there's only two issues left. Uh, there's going to be 10 issues. Um, okay. Well, then, I retract my statement of sticking the landing, because it feels like there's still way too much to go. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, that doesn't seem to be a problem now. You sure there's 12? Positive. Okay. Because the break was in the middle after issue 6. There's 12 issues. Uh, Matt, okay. Matt's doing his research here. He's, uh-huh. he's, 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 uh, I want to mention the art towards the end. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, the moment where she realizes there's someone on the other side of the glass uh, in the steam, it's because uh, it's a handprint. Uh, Nora puts mm-hmm. her handprint on it, on the glass. And, like, all of this art, like, the, the leaning in, the listening, like, beyond the glass, but that final page where she breathes in the glass, and then, you know, it's it's, the, it's her expression looking through the word high on the glass. It is gorgeous, and it is so atmospheric yeah. and moody, and it feels like a big moment 
Uh, and you know, it, there's a lot of build up as well. It's a great pa- like just before she gets to the glass, there's a there's a wide part. It's very cinematic. There's a panel where she's like her hair's blown in the wind, and you've got like out of focus grass in the foreground. It's like this mm-hmm. very cinematic shot where she's like alone and moody, and it's raining. Uh, like there's so much. It's just oozing atmosphere. Uh, I mean, the whole book is typically usually anyway, but that last yeah. scene is really oozing it. <laughs> All my issues that I was going to talk about are now because I thought it was 10 and it's definitely 12. So, uh, yeah. Uh, carry on with your art. I just had to, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, another moment I wanted to bring up is that when Walter's talking to Nora and Nora's obviously just not giving him an inch because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's their captor. Um, when Nora says that Walter killed them, Walter just, like, his face goes into that monstrous, where his face just breaks away, and it's all red and disgusting, and he yells, I didn't kill anyone, I saved you. I, this idea that he is this petulant child mm-hmm. inside who can't take criticism, won't accept what he's doing is wrong, thinking that the world revolves around him. You know, there's definitely a type of person that this character is very much emulating, mm-hmm. and I think it's very interesting seeing this kind of temper tantrum moment come out of him uh so i'm very curious to see where this is going now because i you know it's, yeah. it's still tough to call in a lot of ways and yeah, yeah it's also interesting that they wanted an antenna for this new shack mm-hmm. and they wouldn't put it in so it's it's clearly mm. part of that they want them to know least as possible well, here's, here's the thing, though. If the rest of the world is really gone, then what harm would giving them an antenna do? Ex- exactly. And that's why wouldn't they give them the antenna just, you know, and so that that was mentioned. Um, and I thought, like, in a, an observatory, you know, it's like, what are they trying to observe? Right? Is it just to look at the stars? Is it, you know? So there's these little pieces there that I feel like Walter, because he's so... Like, his plan's working now. Everyone's getting along, and he's trying to get them to kind of rebuild a society. And even the comedian guy kind of talks about, like, well, what if we all want our own house? Is that something that we could do? Um, you know, it's there. Walter's getting him to, to think of things his way, except there's all these little pieces there that where they're not doing exactly that way. And he can kind of distract them. And I think that's what, what Nora kind of points out to him you know is like i didn't kill anybody i'm saving you so that's all he's thinking about is his plan he's not thinking about the the basically all the different gear works with these individuals and that's i think why they're all starting to well not they're all but ryan for sure is feeling like something's wrong sarah who's the strategist right is knows walter enough to realize that something's up um yeah, because, yeah. I mean, she, and that's the whole thing at the opening. She's talking about how she used to joke with him about this mm-hmm. list and not really knowing it was a serious thing that meant anything. And obviously right. now in hindsight, she knows exactly what the list is. And, mm-hmm. and it's this idea as well that what's going to be his undoing and why they might figure things out here is because he did change things because he didn't like being the villain to them. He wanted to try and be their friend again still. And right. it's, it's created these flaws and plot holes, if you will, in the setup. That yep, there's some of them are starting to notice, and some of them he's are starting to. He's been a little to... bit too hands on, yeah. Right where he was too hands off. And if the, if and... the whole point as well is to observe and like see what they do, then surely him being in there suggesting things hey, it's... is you know affecting the experiment 
too much. Yeah, that's will. that is a thing you learn in science class, right? Is that you can't just by observing you are uh, at least in some forms of science, you're you're you know changing the outcome. Oh well, know? no, obser observing. I mean, maybe there's some examples, but I mean, observing yeah. normally is okay. That's the whole point. Right. You have to observe. But he's not observing now. No. He is directly interacting well, and influencing. And it makes me wonder too, is this the control group? Is there another group that they're comparing this group to? And that's why it's so important to him to, for them to get it right? You know, because it reflects on him. Because there's something more to Walter than even that we understand at this point, right? Like we know he does that face shifting. Like is he an alien? Is he a deity? Is he a, a demon type thing? You know? There's got to be more of him. Maybe it's not just him, you know? So why why is it so important to him that he saved them? He didn't kill anybody. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. all That's all fun speculation stuff. I, I Right now, I'm thinking more about just the what the story represents and how mechanically, mm -hmm. fundamentally, this is a story about how someone who tries to control the people around them mm -hmm. and how ultimately they're, like, it's going to be his own undoing and mm -hmm. how the story really feels like it's sort of heading in that direction now. Yeah. And it's his own, like, needs and fallacies that are going to get in the way. And I think that's super interesting from a story, mm -hmm. like, it, like perspective. It, we talked about that with Tynan's overall structure and stuff, right? Like, with, there, there are, you can see themes that pop up in Department of Truth about this, you know, which is all about control of a narrative. And, and that's where it feels like almost like Walter is losing control of that narrative. And what does that make him do? You know, we already saw it made him restart it. You know, how many times can he do this? Is you know, he going to start, start a new wrestling promotion called CYN? <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, that stands for controlling your narrative, just for the record. Just in case anyone yes. doesn't get yes. that reference. Uh, don't look it up. It's basically just uh, it's it's bad. It's it, not. It, it's like, mostly a bunch of wrestlers who got blacklisted for being, you know, having a very particular point of view yes. and being aggressive about it. Who've then made their own league. Uh, and then and then other wrestlers who take a show a booking on that show. It's basically actually, it's, it's, it's really easy yeah. to compare. This. this is basically the uh the wrestling equivalent of that comic that got kickstarted. The mm -hmm. uh the, the Ethan Van Skyver one. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be the all, the all the classic traditional the the, the comic book that comic fans really want with the, the shitty art with the muscles and sexist portrayals mm -hmm. of women and all that stuff. That's basically what it is. Yeah, and and there's not the smartest people aren't aren't you know running it. So it of course it's not. It's kind of the opposite of Nice House on the Lake, in that you know someone very smart is doing right storytelling. Um, it's not a mess. So <laughs> it's fun to laugh at though. Um. Yeah. <sighs> I, I just I don't know. It's just an interesting point of comparison because you. I, I cracked a joke about. I, I should have chose a different set of words yeah. because especially what that's become in the wrestling community. Um. But yeah. Um. Yeah. Diana. But there is a there's a line through Tynan's work that you can tell in his creator on stuff. Which now I'm excited to get through Department of Truth and get to something calling the children, just to kind of see how that's playing in because there is this overall art you know he has he has ideas and he's working them out through his comics and i do feel like if you're reading them all it makes like this patrick quilt that is uniquely tiny uh, which is super cool i like when artists do that you know yeah. like 
Um, and, and he always gets a great selection of artists to work with, too. So, you know, it, it really helps that going forward. But, you know, the, this is still good. I saw one of my Twitter friends said that he started to feel the cracks of this book. I don't necessarily agree because I feel like those cracks were supposed to see, you know, um, whatever feels flawed is there. I feel by design because um, otherwise this book read super. This was maybe one of the quickest reading issues. I feel like mm -hmm. there there were some big chunks of, of dialogue, but like a lot of the stuff, because we have we know who these characters are now. There's almost a shorthand to it, and it, it really moves through the book, which I appreciate. Yeah, I don't think there's any crack, so I just disagree with that statement. But uh, yeah, um, what are you rating? Nice to know, issue I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah, uh, I think I will give it an eight point five. Uh, really good stuff. So there you go. Uh, Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue 6, Real Yours, and Tom Fowler on art. This is uh, the last issue, I believe. I yes, it is. Uh, right, you read it, so on you go. Yes. Yeah, so uh, everything comes to an end here. We get a, a flashback of the two government agents, uh, and they work at Los Alamos in this department of, like, basically it's the department of, of strange metals, and that it involves... The the metal that created a lot of these artifacts comes from space and is from a meteorite. And so they're trying to track all of this down. It's from the Department of Defense Office of Irrational Metallurgy. Um, and so they're tracking it down. They've tracked it down to, to Brody Island. And you find out that Calvin, the, the, the guy, uh, is married with a baby on the way. Because of course he is. Because this is like an any 80s type thing. Uh, and he has something else to live for, which is why he ended up dying earlier in the book. And that his partner is, is so, you know, excited for him, which then, you know, that ends with her smiling to her just being covered in blood with a grimace on her face, driving the shark truck um, to to the home uh, that the, what's his name? The old sheriff is at, who he has um, June... He's in his full snake form still. She drives the shark truck straight into his snake form, and it just starts taking pieces of him. It gets pretty grisly. Um, she's going to get June out. He reforms the snake body, but not before the, the lady agent throws the axe to June, and she cleaves the, the claws in, uh, in two. Uh, which, which, you know, takes away his power. She gets the belt off of him that turned him into a giant snake. They're fighting on the ground. He's trying to get the axe. Um, and she just kind of throws the belt away. Not realizing it, she threw the belt onto the shark head, which is now given this snake body a, a ravenous shark's head. And it ends up um, chewing up what's left of Clausen and leaves her with the axe. And uh, and uh, the lady agent ends up, you know, cutting the shark's head off with with the axe, and just totally destroying it, leaving you know nothing there. Um, we get the police and the you know the actual police showing up. They arrest the mayor because of of what he has to do. They uh, find the the Valkyrie girl with the sword in her head, so they pull that out, and it's just a like 
the nasty looking crime scene. They find all the heads in the refrigerator and they're talking. Uh, one of them says, hey there. Um, but June and, and the, the lady, which I feel like I should know her name, but as I'm reading, I can't I can't find it. You know, just basically saying that, you know, there's. You know, this is all over. You're not going to have to worry about it again. You know, um, you're just going to have to answer a bunch of questions from from the government. And they they put all the heads in in these boxes and they're missing the belt. So they have, you know, the axe, the sword. Um, I forget what the fourth item was, um, but they are missing the belt. Um, June and her are talking and that just basically, you know, everything's so dark. But she says, you know, you, you know, I would tell you to be strong, but you need to, you know, embrace the light with your soul because, you know, the soldier shining light illuminates everything and it gives you stuff to live for. And that, you know, she tells June that this is just the start of your journey and it won't stay dark forever because the sun always comes up. Um, and, and they drive over the bridge and, you know, it goes to a bit of a flashback to 24 minutes before her and June are talking and a deer comes out of the forest to the house where everything has gone on. And it's the deer that was carrying the biker's head. Um, and he's, you know, he's like, no, he, it's glowing. You got to pick it up. And he instructs the deer to pick up the belt to which then he drops the belt onto the, onto the guy. Um, and that's where the, where it ends. Um, so it seems like they're trying to leave it open for maybe a sequel if they want. But I also feel like, you know, tying this, this to the meteorite, there's a bigger story here that I feel with Hill House is there. Because it was making me think of the the dollhouse family, and and you know the the mythology that was built into there, um, and yeah, so it definitely feels like a Hill House book. It's a whole lot of fun. I would recommend reading it to anybody that you know if you've listened to me talk about it for six issues. It's a whole lot of fun, but it is very different from Basket, which I feel is much more prestigious. That definitely feels like when when you're looking at like '80s horror movies. This one is definitely more of like the, you know, not slaughterhouse. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's more of a grizzly slasher that's like a splatter movie, you know, that's just meant to be fun. Um, whereas I feel like Basket had a, a much more deeper story of, of corruption and whatnot. That's here, but not, you know, as is, it's not as deep. But yeah, no, the Tom Fowler's art's pretty good throughout. Like the, the art of the snake man just getting annihilated by by you know the shark head at first and then the shark head growing onto the snake it's just really fun stuff and and it goes not quite over the top but just on that line of gore um but yeah no uh refrigerator heads uh 7.5 cool yeah uh it's something i'll probably read at some point uh, when i'm in mm -hmm. the mood because i feel like it's something that i would read quite quickly as a trade yeah it definitely will. And again, it's a lot more, I say, I throw fun around a lot like it's meaningless, but there is a sense to it that is a lot more fun. Just the, mm. even the art style and everything than the first was. Like you have, you have Viking bikers, you know, like it's just kind of over the top in that way. And I really enjoyed it. All right, cool. Well, I'll take out the part of the show where you pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art. And top five books of the week. So we'll start off with uh, 
with moment slash panel. So uh, what, you, what you got, Matt? Oh, man. Um, the Knight had a couple in those fight scenes. That was real good. Um, World's Finest. Refrigerator Full of Heads, you have the snake truck. Uh, the whole thing. Hmm. But, you know, I'll go from World's Finest. I brought up uh, a little bit. It's when Batman sneaks up on, on I think it's Rita uh, mm-hmm. of the Doom Patrol with, with Robin. And I was like, yeah, he does that. I thought that was a real fun moment. Yeah, there's a couple of Nightwing that I'm tempted by, but I think I'm going to go with Catwoman Lonely City and go where the couple of panels where Riddler and Catwoman, uh, or Riddler and Ivy, I should say, are intentionally kind of doing cheesy Silver Age dialogue and sort of harkening back and reminiscing about old times. Uh, it really gave me a good chuckle, and it, it kind of did feel like people like looking back in their earlier, sillier days. So I, I, I thought it worked really well. Uh, all right, cover of the week. What you got? Uh, I was looking at some of the other ones. Uh, Juan Faria did one for Refrigerator Full of Heads. It's pretty cool, but it's really hard to not go with the Nightwing cover, where it's it's him and Flash standing there yeah, with yeah. the Flash lines making the Nightwing symbol. Like yeah. that's an iconic image. That's a post. That's poster worthy. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, yeah, there's a few. There's some nice solid ones. I actually really like the cover of World's Finest. It's a very typical looking cover, but it's, Dan Moore's art's just really good, so it's it's quite pretty on yeah. those terms. But yeah, I'm probably going to go with the main Nightwing cover as well. Uh, it's just just really nice, good design. So, uh, all right, art of the week, Matt. What you got? Uh, World's Finest, Dan Moore. Like, it's not even a. I mean, Gia Domenico might give it a fight, but. It's Dan Moore. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a harder time uh, with Lonely yeah, City. But I'm not even picking that, though. I'm picking uh, Alvaro Martinez. Bueno. So, uh, and he's won a lot of times that we've had an isolation yeah. in the Lake issue out. Uh, and it's kind of close between that and Chang, because Chang might even be his mm-hmm. best issue yet at Catwoman Lonely City. But... Like everything, especially towards the end with the 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 glass and the rain and yeah. the 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 drawing and the steam and stuff, like all really good stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm going with Nicest in the Lake, uh, with Martinez. All right, uh, top five books, Matt. All right, number one is World's No Nightwing because I gave them the same. Mm. I go Nightwing, World's Finest, Nice House on the Lake, The Night, and Refrigerator Full of Heads. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going number one, Catwoman, Lonely City. Number two, Nightwing. Number three, World's Finest. Number four... Oh, wait, no. Hold on. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Number one, Catwoman, Lonely City. Number two, Nice House in the Lake. Number three, Nightwing. Number four, World's Finest. And then number five... Uh, What, have I, what are my choices here? A flasher. Uh, the night. Uh, yeah. I'll go the flash at number five. I'll be a little different. Um, there you go. It's a really good week though. Like you know, I yeah. uh, I had a really nice, consistent uh, level of quality. Yeah. So, uh, good stuff. So I will take this time to tell you what is coming, uh, next week from DC Comics. So out next week. We have Detective Comics 1059, 
We have Justice League 75, so it's a big week in, you know, in, you know, larger continuity sense. We've got a big, big, the big event issues coming out. We have Action Comics 1042, Dark Knights of Steel issue 6, Robin issue 13, The Joker issue 14, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue 12, oh sorry, issue 2, sorry, uh, The Swamp Thing issue 12, which is what I was looking at there, uh, Harley Quinn issue 14, Deathstroke Inc. issue 8, which we all have to read because it's part of the Shadow War crossover. Yeah. Uh, Tita's Academy issue 14 Rogues issue 2 oh next week's a big week man <laughs> yep yep I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, man I'm gonna start reading uh, as soon as I wake up on Tuesday yeah uh, Trial of the Amazons issue 2 I'm suddenly very glad that we're not reading that crossover Aquaman issue 3 and Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target issue 7 so yeah a lot of big stuff next week yeah. uh, I'm suddenly regretting not getting a Patreon book in uh, yeah right this week uh, but yeah, lots of big stuff. So, we, so the big things though sticking out to me, other than just the fact that we've got great issues potentially of action comics and other things, mm-hmm. is uh, Justice League, which is the death of Justice League, big yep. special issue, um, and then of course the fact that we have Rogues issue two, which is a you know big bat label book. Uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot of exciting stuff in there. So yep, cool. and, and just so everyone knows, it's uh, Deathstroke Inc. is part three of Shadow War, Robin's yes. part four. So that there's the reading order there. Um, oh, I never even thought of that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I checked the the covers, and that's what they say. So it'd have been um, really nice if the, the you know part three came out this week. It'd have been a nice thing, but whatever. well, it's like it's Williamson week because you got you got Je- Death of the Justice League, you got Robin, you got Deathstroke, you got Rogues. Like they've been doing this a lot. Yeah, he's got um, four books on next. That is so weird. You know they do it occasionally with Taylor when like you know Superman. Uh, we'll drop the same time as Nightwing or whatever. Yeah, but, but that's uh, four is a lot in one week. Yeah. So, and they're all stuff that I want to read, not that I have to read. Like, oh sure, but um, yeah, it's uh, man, that a lot of good covers too. Because uh, Swamp Thing, that's that's real good. Uh, and of course the Rogues. I just spoiler, my cover next week will probably be Rogues. It's a giant <laughs> gorilla. I'm I'm not uh going to give any of my potential picks because I've not looked yet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much to our Patreon producers of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Traisman, and Alison M. Four days. Uh, that is obviously one of the higher tiers over at patreon.com slash TV where you can support everything we do in the podcast uh, for as little as a dollar per month. At the $5 tier, you get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night uh, rather than the, 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 the go time on the Sunday if that's of interest. But either way, uh, go and have a look and see if you want to support all the content. Uh, and check out other content from Mailfuzz, uh, TV and Mailfuzz movies. Uh, there's like horror and sci-fi movie podcasts. Uh, me and Cara do a TV news podcast uh, every week uh, over Mailfuzz TV. So go, go and have a look at those, see if you're interested in any of that stuff. And of course, you can support everything we do by liking, subscribing, sharing on Twitter, at uh, DC Comics Podcast on Twitter, if you want to find us on there, uh, and all the usual things. Spread the show around, mm-hmm. you know. All, all that simple stuff. Uh, it's all good. So, yeah, there you go. That's my, that's my plugging out of the way. Uh, and we'll be back next week for episode uh, 303. Um, and I don't think Connor will be back. I think uh, his day's off. His day's off are like Tuesday and Wednesday, so he's not even close to... Just the way you said that, I would make you the prime suspect. And if he goes, <laughs> just, if he goes disappeared. I don't think Connor will be back. Uh, weird, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> As I sharpen my axe just off uh-huh. camera, I guess. Uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully he's back the week after that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so 
That, that, that is the, uh, the, the the plan for next week. We've got a lot of books to talk about. Uh, luckily, though, it's not a solicitous week or anything, so we can, you know, get straight into the books next week. And it'll probably, I imagine it'll be a solid three hours of just book talk. But, uh, yeah, that's what's coming up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. That's the show. That's been episode 302. And I'm glad because I'm hungry and I, I want to go order food. So. Yep, order food. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the plan. So thank you once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And someone put a fish in the percolator. Mm-hmm.